Welcome to the Uncomfortable Conversations on Predators in Business, Community, and Culture, a podcast exploring the real-life stories of predatory patterns in our everyday lives, with episodes ranging from well-meaning white people to CPTSD and high-achievers anxiety in a world that has a fetish for peak performance. My name is Guru Nishan. I'm a disruptor of cultural indoctrination and actively support the dismantling of false identity by curating uncomfortable conversations on taboo topics hiding in plain sight. I stand committed to breaking codes of silence, shame, and secrecy in our own families, communities, companies, and cultures, but mostly within our own bodies. Hello, folks, and welcome to another episode of our podcast. I'm pretty excited for our guest for today because it hits close to home for my own personal experience, an experience of over 12 years in the multi-level marketing industry, um, and experiences that I haven't yet shared publicly, um, either on the podcast or in writings. Um, And yet only this uh, in 2022 did I really wake up um, to the amount of psychological cult manipulation that actually endured at a leadership level in that industry after 12 years of working hard to get there. So to properly see it as abuse, um, the voice we have on our guest podcast today um, is one of the voices that helped me wake up to um, the extent of the uh, abuse and really framing it properly, seeing something for what it is, as opposed to the illusion that has upheld my identity for many years. So I'm excited to introduce our guest. Her name is Roberta Blevins, and she is a former Hun who left the MLM, multi-level marketing world, in 2017 and began publicly educating and speaking out against it. In her time in MLM, she was involved as a consultant for three, It Works, Lulu Rowe, and Modere, and a customer of many. Since leaving MLM, she has educated herself on the systemic structure of the business model, the psychological manipulation the seedy underbelly and governmental ties, the cult indoctrination, and the history of multi-level marketing. She educates daily on TikTok and podcasts in her free time, talking to the survivors and victims of these commercial cults, disguised as the quickest route to the American dream. Woo! I am so happy to have you here, Roberta. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I am so excited to be here. Thank you. (laughs) Um, I want to just start us off um, by kind of introing into how I found you. Um, earlier in 2022, I'd say in the spring, um, I heard uh, a podcast uh, or a, really like a social media post with uh, Dr. Hassan, uh, who's a cult expert. And he had an attorney on his show who was talking about the long and dark history of political and um, other levels of of legal FTC, all the levels of things. And this attorney was just breaking stuff down and there was a conference called the MLM conference. And so I looked up the MLMconference.com and you, and I registered for it. It was free. Um, but then, you know, and I, folks, I had been in the MLM industry well over a decade ago, but you know, my business uh, came crashing down and that whole story was back in 2012. So 12 years prior to that. So it was only 2022 that all this came into my sphere of awareness Although I did know it was cult-ish and cult-like, and there were companies that were cults, um, it was only at this conference that I that I took a look at all these attorneys, and they had a section where people, like everyday people, had their voice on this conference. So 
while the conference was taking place in like two weeks, you could look at last year's conference videos. And so I started doing that and I started going down the deep, dark hole of things that I wasn't able to see prior because I was so busy dealing with the cult I was raised in, which is a spiritual <laughs> yoga cult. And um, so I just wasn't ready. And your voice was one of the uh, voices on that MLM conference, along with all the attorneys and other different professionals. And so I'm really excited, even hearing your bio. Um, I love how you've been able to really just kind of succinctly say, you know, the psychological manipulation, the seedy underbelly and governmental ties, the cult indoctrination, the history of multi-level marketing, and and how you've used, you know, your experience to start really speaking to these underlying predatory patterns in an industry that has continues even to this day to solicit itself as the American dream. So let me just stop talking and say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your voice, your work, your courage, your efforts. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. No, uh, the the MLM conference last year was really great. It was the first year that I was asked to speak and participate and it was really cool. And uh, I was on a panel with Dr. Hassan, who is a friend and colleague and we talked about cult recovery of leaving multi-level marketing. And it was really cool. I I did like a presentation. I had gathered stats um, on the podcast and sort of on Instagram. So, you know, like a peer cast. It wasn't like it was scientific. But I asked a lot of different questions and sort of posed those questions. And as people answered them, asked other questions and just sort of kept going as podcasters do. You know, that's my trade now. So uh, I just asked these questions and sort of all from that information with another person that I presented with, who's a friend of mine, Alonda Carter, who's the recovering Hunbot on YouTube. She um, she and I came up with this presentation and we I told Steve, I said, hey, if you want to do it with us, he's like, I have my own thing I'm going to do. And I was like, OK. And so as I started presenting it, he's like, oh, can I can I step in and talk? And I said, sure. And so he ended up becoming part of our presentation, even though he, he had sort of said, no, 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 you can do your thing. But he was like, wow, I was so impressed with all the stuff you guys gathered. I'm like, it's out there. Like, it's so out there. You just have to ask. I've never met anybody that hasn't been affected by multi-level marketing in some way. You know, people are like, well, I never joined. I'm like, yeah, but maybe your mom did or your dad, like something happened to you where you don't like this. Like I figured it out. People go, I knew, I knew it was a pyramid scheme. That's why I didn't join. I'm like, yes, because something close to you allowed you to have that perspective. And that is if you're still affected, whether you joined or not, like someone you loved, or maybe you bought a product, or maybe you got hounded by a friend to the point that you lost that connection. Like, there's a connection. And um, I sometimes compare it to like the true crime movement where like everyone is like super into true crime because it's fascinating. And oh my gosh, that happened in my town or I knew somebody that, but the MLM brings it in because it's like, it's in your living room. It's not like a a random crime that happened in the town. You like, it's literally happening at your kitchen table. Your mom is doing it. Your aunt is doing it. Your best friend is doing it. You're doing it. And so it really brings it in. And I think a lot of times people are like, Oh my gosh. And when, when, when we're able to show and like, and uh, give these examples, like at the conference and all of the other places that, that we do with, like specifically at that conference, I think people are able to see things they didn't see before, like you said, and it just opens up a little bit and they're like, Oh, I didn't realize it affected so many people or like so many people had these negative uh, experiences because I asked about the good and the bad. You know, I, I, I try to be as neutral and as unbiased as, as much as I hate MLM and I am not going to ever support it. Like it's, it, I have to be biased 
in that space of education because I'm I'm I can't just preach to the choir. You know, all the people that are listening to me, I want to make sure that a good percentage of those people are new and are learning and are here for the first time because if I'm only preaching to the choir, then my education isn't going anywhere else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so and and that's sort know, of my on, philosophy. And on the conference, it's like your voice and your panel of voices that you it sounds like you uh collaborated together you know, really brought the personal experience of being a distributor yeah. and what it means to sign a distributor form and these types of things. Uh, so, you know, I'd love for you to give a, a, a little background because obviously listeners haven't necessarily heard your podcast, but having an experience as a distributor in the three companies that you joined and then being a customer as you're speaking to, people have been involved in MLM, they, whether or not you were the one who joined or you supported somebody or you rejected somebody, you know, learning, hearing this, allows us to realize there are real interventions that need to happen. Like mm -hmm. the way it's been legitimized lets us just kind of pass it off as if, oh, some people will succeed and other people won't, or it's a pyramid scheme. These things are like platitudes that kind of brush it off. Um, but again, that's getting into why you're passionate about speaking <laughs> on this stuff now. Give us yeah. a little background about your experience and then how you woke up or whatever you want to give because yeah. listeners can um, listen to the details by listening to your podcast. And then how you get into really understanding the the manipulation as a whole that's taking place. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, my whole story is in two different documentaries and the pilot episode of my podcast, Life After MLM. So if you want the whole deep, juicy everything, it's there. Um, <laughs> and I've been on lots of other podcasts where we've talked specifically about my story. So uh, I'll give you the Reader's Digest version. I joined an MLM shortly after my dad passed away. I was a daddy's girl. He died of pancreatic cancer very, very quickly advanced stage four. Uh, we were told maybe a year if we were lucky and he died 11 days before I got married. So uh, pretty rough time for me. I got his ashes rush ordered so he could walk me down the aisle. So like, that's the mindset that I'm in. And that was probably the first kind of like the times that I started to really feel insecure about myself because it's just, it just grief and death. It just changes you. Uh, that was almost 10 years ago. And I'm still broken working back but you know you know what I mean you know what I mean so sure do. I was incredibly vulnerable the most vulnerable I've ever been in my entire life and you get these messages hey hon I know I saw that you were this would happen or you know we have these things and all this stuff and I just started to notice this and I thought maybe if I bought these magic products that I would feel better and I bought a lot I I, I bought you know, workout DVDs and I bought shakes and I bought makeup and I bought clothes and I bought all kinds of stuff. I thought I was supporting my friends. Oh yeah, sure. I'll come to your party. I'll buy a hundred dollars worth of stuff I need uh, and did all of this. And I had been hounded many times. You should join, you should join. You'd be great at what I do. You'd be great at what I do from so many different people, from so many different industries within the MLM complex that finally one time, like my cousin was the one hosting a party and she's like, Hey, you know, you're, you're going to buy all this stuff, but I wanted to say that if you join, you'll actually save money and you'll get more stuff and everybody that buys something tonight, I'll put them on your party. So you'll actually make money too. So it's just like a better deal. And I was like, yeah, totally. That sounds like a way better deal. So I jumped in and I joined my first MLM, which was it works. I only lasted about three months. I realized I'm not really like the fat rep diet pill girl that I thought I was. <laughs> it didn't work out for me. And I just, I, I maybe made like, 
I, I probably made nothing to be perfectly honest with you, but I got a, like a 1099 at the end of the year for like not even $700. So it was again, like just nothing. So a year or so goes by and I start hearing about this another this other company called Lululemon. Um, that's the one that I'm most known for. That's the one that I dove headfirst in. Uh, I heard about it in a Facebook mom group. Someone was like, hey, check out my leggings. And over the course of several months, I found someone that was in my area and I started getting groomed to join. It probably took about three or four months for them to get me so excited that I couldn't stand it. And basically defied my husband and said, I'm going to do it. And he's like, well, if you're going to do it, get your own everything. Cause this sounds like a hot mess. And I was like, I'm going to do it. So I did it. And the, just like the, the fire under my ass from him being like, you're going to have to do it on your own. If you fail, like I was just, by the way, we're divorced now. So like all the red flags, everybody hears, like, don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> so I was like, okay. Um, I'll do it on my own. And so it lit a fire under my ass that I wanted to be like the best of the best of the best of the best. And I have ADHD and I didn't know about it. And I was chasing that dopamine like a dragon. Do you know what I mean? So I'm chasing it. I'm chasing it. And LuLaRoe was serving it up on a buffet platter, like 24 seven. It was great. You get boxes with no idea what's in it, except style and size, dopamine, dopamine, dopamine. When you get really good stuff, dopamine 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 you go live everyone's like oh my gosh what'd you get i want to watch you you're so cute i love you dopamine 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 24 7 all the time people started flocking to me people are joining my team i want to do what you're doing okay okay i'm selling like i can't even keep them in stock like they're just you're selling like is selling leggings lularoe sold leggings sorry yes lularoe sold well lularoe sold a couple different things i joined because I, I was just going to sell leggings oh, yeah. ended yeah. up selling a lot more stuff. They sell skirts, dresses, and it's all modest and it's owned by an LDS, a Mormon company. And so all of the garments were long enough to cover Mormon undergarments. So everything was sort of like a long sleeve, three quarter length, you know, to the knee kind of. So they're modest, but like funky. And some of it was cute and some of it was not at all. But those little love kernels of cute were enough to keep me going right and all the public adoration as you're talking oh my god it was wild so all these people are joining at the height of my team I had 75 women underneath me not all of them were completely directly underneath me in the pyramid so we got levels and layers you know but 75 on that pyramid were underneath me uh so I wasn't like humongously huge but I say that I was sort of like like floating in that primordial ooze in the middle, like that cherry flavored primordial ooze. And uh, it's just gross. It's just this really gross place. And I was, I was making enough money to be quote unquote successful to anybody that was watching. But at the same time, the job that I left to do LuLaRoe full time, like it literally just replaced my income. And I just didn't have to go out of town or work outside of my house anymore. I was working more. I was working all the time, but I was working in my house. And so I thought that the payoff was, well, I wasn't losing any money. I was making the same amount. I look back on it now and it's just, it doesn't make any sense, but in the moment it did. And sure. also I'm being told like, oh yeah, it's just going to get better. Everyone's going, oh, wait till you make coach. Cause there's all these different levels, right? Wait till you mm -hmm. get to the next level. Wait till you get to the next level. You're going to love it. You're going to get a necklace. You're going to get recognition. You're going to get to walk on the stage. You're going to get to go, you know, to do all the things. 
so yeah, so I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it, I'm, they're dangling that golden carrot and I'm literally just chasing it, all the dopamine. And it really wasn't until everything started to fall apart because inevitably all pyramid schemes will collapse and things started to crumble. It wasn't collapsing yet and, and it, you know, whatever, but it was starting to crumble and I was starting to lose people. And I understood and I tried to be as non-horrible as possible and people left and then I started to see things. I had people coming to me saying like, I've been paying my mortgage. Like um, I've been buying LuLaRoe with my mortgage and not actually paying it. And I'm about to lose my house and I don't know what I should do. And I'm like, what is happening? I actually knew someone who lost their house because they were spending their mortgage money on LuLaRoe. They weren't on my team. I was not responsible for them, but I did. I knew, I knew them and uh, it was horrible. Yeah, so, and, and what stands out to me is how, not uncommon that is in terms of advice that we would get from our oh, upline, yeah. no matter what company we find ourselves Absolutely. in. Absolutely. And it's because there is that internal um, enthusiastic reach for the next carrot, the next level. Absolutely. And each tier is, is um, a place you're chasing to get into. And once you get into that area, you realize, oh, the strategy is to go back to your people and to tell them, wait till you get to that meeting yeah. that we just were in. Now that meeting was a shit meeting, but we have to go and, and, and promote to our people as if that meeting was the best meeting ever. And that that's the build in carrot system. Yeah. The FOMO. That's so infused into next levelness. And you said all the companies will collapse. Sometimes that collapsing looks like restructuring. Yeah. They restructure, <laughs> rename say. themselves, a different company buys <laughs> them out. Right. And now suddenly they're selling all the distributors why this is the next thing since it's fucking white slice bread. Why it's so much better than it's it was. So before. much better. And all the things. We got the bad guys go, out. Yeah. And there's this whole, and it happens yeah. all the time. Everyone yeah. I've ever known that's been successful has gone through a rechange, a rebrand yeah, at their absolutely. company level. Anyway, absolutely. keep going. <laughs> yeah. So I just started to realize that like there was something fishy going on. I was getting wet clothes. I was being told it was my fault that the box was left outside or UPS was, you know, it was, it was everyone else's fault, but LuLaRoe, there was no accountability. I grew up in a, house with that sort of attitude and I was like I know this isn't my fault like I know this isn't my fault so that was sort of the beginning of like what is going on and I felt like I was crazy like I was being gaslit but I didn't know what gaslighting was back then but I was yes. like what is going on like I'm literally holding wet clothes and you're telling me that this this has never happened before but it's like the box wasn't wet. It was just this one item in a like a sealed package. Like the pa ugh, it was disgusting. So, I mean, it was just, it's just, it's just everything was my fault or someone else's fault. It was never LuLaRoe's fault. Mm. I started to notice these patterns, and I was like, something's fishy. I had a lot of really good people who were very successful start leaving that were on my team because I could see their numbers on the back end, and it was like, what? Like you have killer sales. Like you're, why are you leaving? I, I can't stand Mark. And if you've seen Lula Rich, you know, he's the, he's the owner. I can't stand Mark. I can't li stand listening to him. How uh, like misogynistic he is. He's so offensive. I can't do it anymore. I don't care. Like I can't do this anymore. Or, you know, I just, I, I, I can't like, I, I, I don't know what I'm going to make. It's so up and down and one month I'm struggling and the next month it's great. And I just can't do this. I need, I need something that's steady. And so people were leaving 
I don't know if these were the real reasons or if these were the reasons sometimes we give to sort of coat the blow so it's not so hard of like, I'm in a pyramid scheme and I don't want to do this anymore. It's like Mark's kind of a, a mis- like a misogynistic jerk and I don't like him. So and it's, I, I, right, it's all we have language for right? sometimes, right? When you've been grown up with Absolutely. gaslighting or it's so normalized, you don't even know what part of you know, knows, you just know. Right. And the excuse you can give is just the yeah. one you got, you know, go ahead. Absolutely. <laughs> like, what can I say? And I would see people believe and I would see how people would react. And so also having ADHD and like rejection sensitivity, I'm like, when I leave, if I leave, like I have to be very carefully crafted because I don't want to upset anybody. I don't want to make waves. I'm not a wave maker. I'm not a drama person. It's just not my thing. And so I was just like, oh, I I felt like I was being watched under a microscope and that anything I did wrong for even a second, like, and I just, I hated it. And I realized that I needed to leave. And then they pulled this, like, if you've seen Lula Rich again, this 100% buyback. And that really was my breaking point. I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like, you just screwed so many people over. I quit. I'm done. Like, we're done with this. We can't do this anymore. I literally quit the same day. I want to say it was like a few hours before because I felt something was happening and I wanted out. It really wasn't until a few weeks later that I noticed and realized, like, what I had been in. Um, It was... Basically, I had joined this, quote, hate group on Facebook when I had decided to leave. And I just spent a couple of weeks in there researching, looking, reading all the comments, reading everything from all these other people that had been through it. And I was like, I'm not crazy. That person got wet clothes, too. That person was told they were the only one, too. And that one and that one. And they got stinky and they got stinky. Hundreds of people could corroborate my experience. And I was like, oh, my God, this is what's happening. And I was just like, I, I don't know, I, I, I could tell that there was like lying going on. And I could tell that this was like super shady. And then I saw this evidence of like, well, this is what a pyramid scheme is. And this is what LuLaRoe's doing. And I, being from my perspective, I was like, that's absolutely what they're doing. You know, I just I saw that so much stuff was happening. And I realized that I, I wasn't crazy. And I um, I decided to take a little time away. And just sort of but process. only once you were in that forum that was right. supposedly the anti right right the haters so, the haters <laughs> group so and this is yeah. a really important I'm just going to pause and you can get right back to where you are it's such an important thing because a part of quote one of the slogans of quote staying successful no matter what company you're a part of in in MLM is the part of this lingo around what to look at and what not to look at, what to listen to and what not to listen to. And so it's such an important thing of where on what you said, only when you went, especially on a cult indoctrination level, when you go into this forum that's been deemed as the haters, then you've already been trained to not look at that because why would you want to get infused with negativity? Right. And so if you're successful in MLM, you really don't go look at those things. No. And it's so much a part of the quote success formula. And it's a part of what these conversations here are meant to break up is that it's so easy to make it think that this is uh, company specific or personal specific. And so what Roberta's pointing out is it's only once she got into that forum that she could get reinforcement that other people also had experiences that were corroborating and validating her lived experience that in her own body system, she knew, but 
the system itself was set up to make her be gaslit, which she didn't have language for yet. And so you just are asking yourself, am I, am I flipping crazy? Am I, am I nuts? And, and now she's in the quote forum and she can be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God. Yeah. And I know that so well. It's like, oh my God, not from an MLM, but from any level of cult awareness, you know, our brain naturally, our survival system naturally uses language and quote, illusions of self to yeah. keep us safe until we're, we can get out. Right. And so yeah. the forum is reinforcing yeah. your already known <laughs> experience. Right. Yeah. So the forum helped me realize it was a scam and it was a pyramid scheme. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm down. I have all the info. And that's when I teamed up with the Washington Attorney General's office because they were crafting a pyramid scheme lawsuit and they needed witnesses and they needed helpers. So for like three, almost three years, I helped them on the back end. And I think only people that listen to podcasts like this really know, because I don't really talk about it super publicly, but yeah, like I, I did, I, I was on calls um, I had to report things. They would ask me if I could find things or look for specific things. And I helped with them. I mean, I wasn't the only one. There was a lot of us that were doing it. Um, it was really great. The office was incredible. And we were supposed to go to trial in February, but LuLaRoe settled the case. Uh, oh. February 2021, I think. Yeah, February 2021 was when the case was, I was supposed to go. And it was going to all be via Zoom because of COVID. Because we were so bummed that COVID happened because we, I was going to go to Washington and like be there. And that was <laughs> it's like, ugh, COVID takes, COVID's the worst. So that didn't happen. We were super bummed about that. But we did it all via Zoom. And I did my deposition. It was like eight hours or 10 hours. It was a lot. It was a very long day deposition for the case. And then they ended up settling like 10 days before the trial. They settled for $4.75 million, which went into a restitution fund for just the Washington, just the Washington state Rest. victims, which is unfortunate for everybody else. Um, but Washington state was a little more pro-consumer and have a little bit more like pyramid scheme laws in case so it was easy in, in place. So it was easier to to get those complaints turned into an investigation. And then that investigation was turned into a an actual lawsuit in case. Um, but I did that for a while and I spoke to a lot of people. I spoke out in the media um, for a very long time and sort of established myself as this LuLaRoe person, this like, I know what happened. And I was talking to people all around and I then realized, oh, um, oh, I said, like, I took some time off before all of this case, like before everything, before I, I worked with the Washington Attorney General. I just, I wanted to take I just wanted to take a little break and I just wanted to collect all of everything that I had found in that group and sort of process because it was like therapy, but it, like, I didn't realize that's what it was. And so I was processing all of these things and I was like, I'm going to watch an episode of Scientology Aftermath. <laughs> Pause. It's so funny because whenever I want a respite from my cult, I usually go watch another one. Another and I, one. Like, right. And I had no idea. And I was like, you know, it'll make me feel better watching a cult story so another worse on. one right and i had but i had no idea at this point that the lula oh. was a cult i had no idea i so see, I'm sitting I there see. and i'm watching and I'll, I'm, oh, I'm crying you're saying you're saying at this point you just dealt with the yeah. attorney general had, no 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 this was before the attorney general this that this was like in the week 
before I realized everything and started publicly got speaking it, about everything. Got it, got so it, got I it. left LuLaRoe. I was in this Facebook group for like two weeks. I took a break from just everything, watched the Scientology thing and was like, oh my God, I'm in a cult. And from there found Steve, Dr. Stephen Hassan, found Robert Fitzpatrick, found the dream podcast and just, it just, it became this. And that's when everything attorney general, that all came in too. So everything like that, all of my education was all happening at the same time. I'm processing through this going, okay, not only was I in a pyramid scheme, but I was also in a cult. And so then I like start looking for information and then I find the anti-MLM movement, which I also didn't know existed. This was mm. probably around the end of 2017. I left LuLaRoe in September and I want to say I found the anti-MLM movement a couple of months later. Mm. Um, and it was just all these other people that were like, oh yeah, I was in Unique and it's the same. I'm like, oh, I have a friend in that one. Oh, I was in Amway and it's the same. I was in this and it's the same. I was in that and it's the same. And you know, I ended up joining Modare on accident. It wasn't even, it was, I was trying to help somebody that was getting out of LuLaRoe and she had joined Modare and she's like, you should, let me send you a product pack. It's only $40. And apparently that was me signing up and I didn't know. So like that happens to people too. I get so many stories on my podcast where people are like, I didn't even know, but apparently I signed up for Young Living. I'm like, oh, well, okay. and because we got quotas that we're trying right. to fill within our <laughs> groups to qualify right. for levels. So you lie. And, so, <laughs> and, and, and not only that, but it's taught within the fabric of the leadership system. So just like growing up in an abusive household is taught, there are certain patterns of behavior of kind of like buying ghost customers or certain right. things that are built in to every level of leadership, anything you've ever been trained on, it's, it's such an infusion that you don't even realize you're yeah. doing it because you're doing it because you know your check is actually going to be more than the amount of buying those customers. Right. If you qualify. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I had no idea. And all of a sudden, here I am immersed in this community mm. of people on Reddit and all over the internet. And so I start talking to people. I, I find them on Facebook. I join these Facebook groups. And I just really immerse myself in this. And that's, you know, everything started snowballed after that. Um, mm -hmm. It wasn't until I felt that my service to my portion of the anti-MLM movement, which was helping with the LuLaRoe takedown, um, when that was over, when that court case was settled and the restitution checks went out, which I also helped make sure that was facilitated. Uh, wow. After all of that, I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm, this is, it's, I'm going to do something for me. And because I had been interviewing other people, like just other LuLaRoe people, I thought, you know what? I really like doing, I like podcasting. I think I'm going to start a podcast. And, um, you know, I, I asked a couple of friends, I said, what do you use? What do you use? And I got a couple of recommendations and I, I, I started with Anchor. Most people said, oh, use Anchor. It's free. And I started with that and uh, I, I liked it and it was fun. And I was talking to people. I started learning things. I, I didn't know how to edit. I didn't know how to do anything. My very, my, my first episodes, my first probably couple months on the podcast are so raw. There's no editing. It's just raw footage because I didn't know what I was doing. And slowly, but surely over the years. And I think people say like, oh, your first episodes, like show your growth so much. And that's, I think why I keep them around and I don't like go remaster them and fix them because it really shows the growth of me, not only as a person, but like my, my growth coming out of MLM too, because I even have conversations on my show where someone says something and I go, Oh my God. Duh. Like I just figured that out right now when you said that, and I'm still unpacking things that 
I don't realize, or I'll say something and I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. I'm unpacking so many things and we're starting to talk about much deeper topics. And I think what's happened, and I've sort of done this because the way that I, the way that I talk about this, I try to be very compassionate and um, kind because I was there and I know what it feels like to be in that situation and to want help and not know where to go because the people that are outside of it are going to tell you you're stupid. And the people that are inside of it are going to tap like tattle on you. And then there's no safe space when you're in this middle ground. And I knew that I needed to be that safe space because there, there wasn't a safe space when I left and I needed one. And that's sort of what I wanted to do. And, and so my show is like that. And it's really important to me that it's safe. And because of that, I have a lot of people that are in MLMs that listen and they get this information. They go, oh my gosh. And I'll get these emails. It's really, this is like my proudest stuff, right? They get these emails and they're like, you know, Roberta, I started listening to your podcast about six months ago because I saw Lula Rich and I thought you were really funny. I'm like, okay. And I said, and I listened and I thought, oh, okay, I got to stop doing that because I, I, I kind of do that a little bit. I don't want to be scammy. I don't want to be predatory. Okay, well, I'm not, I guess I, I'm not going to do that. But I still couldn't see like my MLM wasn't bad. My MLM was okay. But there was a few things that I noticed. And then you'd be right about something or you'd predict something and it would come true. And I'd be like, oh she was right again. And sometimes I was angry with you. And she's like, and then, then you talk about my MLM. Then there's an episode about my MLM. And then usually they go, and then I resigned the next day. And so it's like this very, like this arc of being like, just curious because it's a safe space. No one's going to know if you're listening, you can listen whenever you want. Yes. Very anonymously to any podcast, listen, and go, oh, and there's have no this record of it. There's right? no record of yes. it. Right? Nobody's tracking you. Right. And this you're not is liking really something on social it's, media. But it's no really important. It. You're talking about that little safe line that if somebody's right. beginning to question, they can't talk to anybody in their MLM because like you said, you know, they'll get tattled on or somebody's yeah. going to say, and then those outside, if, if you get berated mm-hmm. for so that, uh, it's a really important cult topic that we should really talk more yeah. about. Yeah. And then what's really cool is there's so like, as I've, especially with your content, your content teaches me so much. I am just like, thank you so much for what you share, because sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah. And then sometimes I'm like, hell yes. Like I'm, I'm like, I'm there. I get it. And sometimes I'm learning things. And I think it's wonderful and beautiful because I'm always just trying to be better than I was the person that I was yesterday. You know, just, just, that's the only person I'm in competition with in my life. And I love following accounts like yours because you just, you teach me things or you, you eloquently share, like you share things that eloquently put into words in a language that I don't have to explain things I feel, Mm. but can't put into words. You know what I mean? Mm, Totally. And I'm like, oh, another one. I'm like, double tap that one real (laughs) quick, you know? So great. Share, share. Love it. And so like, Again, like there's so much intersectionality with MLM because of the cult mindset, because of the hustle culture, because there's so much like racism. It's a very white women, woman space. There's a lot of uh, cringy, cringy stuff. So bad because we're taught that that's how you connect with people. That's how you love people. And I'm like, no, that's how you like really turn people off and make people go, you're gross. And you don't see it when you're in that space. And so even like being able to educate and see that, I love to be able to take that intersectionality 
and to have those conversations with people like you, people in other spaces, because again, it's my platform, but it's not my sphere. So I want to invite those people in to be able to share with us. And it's my safe space platform where we can introduce difficult topics without making you feel like you're bad because you've done it. It's because so we're just important. trying to be better. Yeah, because the shame piece, the the part of shame and silence, it's so built into predatory anything. Absolutely. And so the more we can, like, what I'm hearing you say, Roberta, is that you're you're creating your platform into an environment that helps to pierce the bubble, yeah. the bubble that we're in, in all of our respective levels of consciousness and awareness based on our unique experiences, based on the limited exposure we've had to things, yeah. um, or based on actual indoctrination to only see this, only see this, don't see that. And all of it is there. And so to be creating this little safety zone you get secret listeners. It's kind of like mm-hmm. secret porn, right? Emma, I'm like, I'm going to secret <laughs> listen. And, and it's really yeah. true because like when you're dedicated to a path and to be successful in anybody, in anybody who's ever reached leader levels in, at in any level of MLM knows that there's layers to the um, support network, you know, and as you move into the next ring and then you move into the next ring. And so the higher up in those rings of supposed success, A, you're not talking about how much money you're actually making. You're just perceived to be making yeah. a lot of money. And that in and of itself is a tool that is predatory because it's a social contract. Absolutely. If you're publicly edified as as having produced X and X and X a month, then people assume that you make some X amount of money. And that expectation is something that we're running for as much as the carrot that they're pulling because you've just been publicly edified. So to let people come on your platform and you are creating this place that doesn't say, get your heads out of your asses, people. (laughs) Instead, you're like, this is the way it disguises itself. It's normal. That we don't see it. And so the more you make that safe place and you let people have their story be told, you have secret listeners is what I'm trying I to get them. at. I love them. And that's so I love beautiful. my secret. I love my secret listeners. I do. And- they email me. They message me. We have little secret conversations. They make fake accounts to follow me on Instagram and they email me and say, I just wanted to follow you. So I made this fake account. That's me. Like I, there, those ones aren't so secret, but I know there are so many more behind them that don't have the courage yet to hit that send button or to reach out. I love them. They're great. They're fantastic. All of my listeners are just so wonderful. I, I never expected like, I mean, you get this too, but like, there's people and they message you and they're like, I loved this episode. You have to talk to this person. I want to put you in touch. Like they'd be great on your show. And so I'm not only just, I'm, I'm getting really cool guests that I would have never known about because they're like, well, I listened to this episode. It made me think of this book and you should talk to this author. Here's their info. And I'm creating these, this, like well, the network it's not fans. a spider web. It's like, like a mycelium mushroom it's, network, right? My, yes. my mushroom network. And but for me, it's it's so important because then I can go into those and I can talk about the intersectionality of like QAnon and MLM and wellness and MLM and mm. wellness and QAnon and like how that all works together or religious cults and 
I'm very interested in not just MLMs. I don't talk about just them, like MLM cults, frauds. We talk about pyramid schemes, actual pyramid schemes, like different kinds of pyramid schemes, Ponzi schemes, different kinds of Ponzi schemes. And I think it's really important because there's there's education in between stories and there's true crime sometimes and there's sad and sometimes we talk about really, really heavy stuff and I've got to put a lot of content warnings and a lot of like, okay, this is when we're going to talk about it. So skip ahead 15 minutes type things for people because there's a lot of really, really difficult stuff that comes up in the intersectionality of MLM, including like being assaulted, being stalked, I was um, say sexual infertility. Abuse. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like being targeted for these things and being harassed and just, it's wild. Some of the, the stories and the, the people that are so beautiful and strong that come on and say, I want to tell my story and I, and I want to tell my story to you and be on your show because of how you do this. And um, mm. just, it's very humbling. I'm already yeah. like a very humble person. Uh, for real, I like to joke yes. that I'm not, but for real, I am. Um, and uh, it's just, it's such a beautiful thing that's been created. It's a living document. I am just the one that produces it. Every single person that listens and every single person that comes on my show helps create the show. Um, I Share I where give, people can listen to your podcast. Yeah. Oh, you can listen to it anywhere you'd like. It's called Life After MLM and the little picture is a little pyramid with a bandaid on it. You'll see it and you go, oh, okay, I get it. That makes sense. Uh, yeah. And, you know, it's, I love it. It's a great, I, it's seriously. I want to go back a little bit um, because I feel like it's really easy, depending on the MLM you've been involved in, um, to kind of listen to a Lulu Rose story, watch that documentary, and just put it into the category of those mm -hmm. types of MLMs. Oh, I yeah. know in my own psychology, I did that. Um, and not so much even consciously, but just kind of in a category of my brain, Lulu Rowe was kind of like more the type of MLM that's like the makeup, the home parties, the, right. these types of things. But the type of MLM, you know, I was in and this is how my brain was doing it, right? I know now that this is a part of how the cult indoctrination works, but my brain was doing this quite unconsciously and that I could see the cult tendencies of the specific team I was grown up in over the 10 years, the specific specifics of the type of company I was in that made my company different than other companies. Um, but there's somehow legitimization by ways that companies go about it. And I want to just speak and wondering if yeah. you can lend your voice to that in Absolutely. like, say, service-based companies, whether it's, you know, our bills or, um, or, you know, nutrition products or, you know, certain types of companies have different operating models where they're operating what I call as more of a corporate model. And it's more, it seems more corporate and business sophisticated um, than say the home-based model, right. which is just kind of all the women doing parties in their homes. Right. And we come from more like the corporate elites of the MLM world. And, and it's quite literally the realization of a sense of identity that I feel like plagues much of the multi-level industry. And I'm wondering if you can talk to that about a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. One of them, one of the favorite things that's said by Huns, which is a Hun is anyone that's been in an MLM past, present, future, you're a Hun. If you've done it, you're a Hun. Sorry. It's, it's gender neutral. 
And it comes from the message like, hey, hun, I want to introduce you to this great opportunity. So it's just that I, I call myself an ex-hun and I use the hashtag ex-hun. I literally had to ask, ask Roberta, like, what's a hun? And she was like, I was like, oh, you mean I'm a hun too. So I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, a, I'm an ex-hun. Yeah. Most of us are huns or ex-huns. Yeah. <laughs> so, but one of the most common things that huns will say is not my MLM. My MLM is not like that. My MLM isn't like that. And I got that a lot. Uh, I made a lot of content on TikTok when Lula Rich came out to answer a lot of questions and fill in a lot of blanks that were left out. And a lot of people are like, oh, I'm so glad the MLM I'm not, I'm in is nothing like LuLaRoe. Like LuLaRoe is obviously horrible. My MLM is not, you know? And so there's a lot of that rhetoric. Uh, but again, it's taught. And the problem is, it's like if your business or your MLM it runs on a multi-level marketing business plan, then you're an MLM. Like, I don't care if you are, they've called social selling, network marketing, uh, transformational marketing, peer-to-peer marketing, peer-to-peer selling, like all of it. Like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, it's all the same thing. Every single time that we figure out a name and we educate that that is another name, they come up with another name and they rebrand. So it's... You know, it's like a hydra. You got off their head and more come out. Robert Fitzpatrick said that in the documentary and it's absolutely true. So that's like the first and foremost, if there's a recruitment factor and you get any additional money, like forever for it, not just like a referral fee for your like corporate recruiter and your friend gets the actual job and you get a fee that's not the same as getting paid to recruit, okay? It's not the same. I'm talking about you're building a team of people. You're going to train them. It's your job, but you're also on a team of people that helped train you, and they're most likely also on a team of people that helped train you, and then you all can sort of engage in all of that uh, training like a nesting doll. You're all in this, you can have all that. So that nesting doll aspect, that pyramid aspect, that get two people to get two people to get two people aspect, that's what makes it a pyramid scheme, regardless of what you're selling, regardless of how elite your product is, regardless of where it's founded, how ethical, whatever. The, the fact that the business model is a scam is makes it unethical. I don't care if you're using the cleanest, greenest, greenwashiest language possible, the fact that it is a business model that is predicated on the fact that getting more people in will make you more money on their failure is the problem because the research has been done and 99.7% of people that join an MLM company, when all is said and done, will lose money. I'm talking about getting going all in with your sunk cost fallacy and getting buying office furniture for your brand new talk office and all sunk, of this stuff. Uh, sunk cost fallacy. Cause uh, you know, what's coming to mind as you're saying all this is a section of my brain, an MLM indoctrinated brain goes on. That's that, the, that literally wants to quote the very stats that I got from the industry that you're saying, you know, and, and right. this is why the wraparound on the, on the cult indoctrination is so important. And I want listeners to hear this is the, the language we use, whether it's 97% work for the 
and the J-O-B, just over broke, and just all these other kind of platitude lingos that are used to justify why it's not a pyramid scheme, because here you actually get paid off of the people that you help, where, quote, a CEO is only, right, and we do that whole picture, right. and and I want you to go in on this a little bit more, because it's not enough, My the, right. the meaning, break down how the research has been done that shows the numbers don't lie. Well, let me give you this. This is a really fun little cognitive dissonance bubble burster. The only industry that's going to teach you what is and isn't a pyramid scheme and why you're not one is a pyramid scheme. Target's not going to teach you that they're not a pyramid scheme. If you work on Wall Street, they're not gonna be like, we're not a pyramid scheme. Like it's just that's there's only one industry that teaches you what to say when someone inevitably will say, oh, that's a pyramid scheme. And it's pyramid schemes, full stop. So hopefully that someone just, oh my God, you know what? You're right. That's it's when you're going true. to the source to get the information about the source. And then they're telling you why other sources aren't going to give you accurate information about them. That should be a big Big yeah. ding, ding, ding. Yeah. But it's. Yeah. yeah. So the sunk cost fallacy is essentially that you have put so much money into something that that investment is worth more than cutting your losses. And you cannot see that you are, you should just cut your losses. And so instead, you will continue to sink money into this fallacy to keep it up. Because you've invested so much. It's like that Mustang sitting out in the backyard that you bought and you wanted to fix up and it's just costing you more money and it's never going to, and you should just sell it and get the tax donation at the junkyard. You know what I mean? Like it's that sort of thing. It's that pair of jeans from high school that you keep around because one day it's just, it's something like that, right? Mm. Just cut your losses. And MLM uses that to keep you anchored. They're going to mm. tell you, oh, I, I was already into LuLaRoe before I had ever joined because you sign on the dotted line, but I had to wait for my call to be confirmed, right? And we had so many people joining that we had a really long wait. I had to wait six weeks to get my call. And in that six weeks time, they created a Facebook group that they would put you in for your, they called the Q club, like Q, like a line. And you'd be in this Q club. And it was all these resources of things you could buy. And it was a lot of people's Instagram or a lot of people's like Amazon associates lists, like buy the printer from me. <laughs> so people were like not disclosing that too and getting all of their like affiliate money. And people are in this group and we're buying $400 heat printers because you need it. Makes your life easier. Just get it now. The money will come. We're buying desks. In fact, this desk that I'm using right here, this is my old LuLaRoe desk. <laughs> That you bought. I in the bought Q this club. for my office because I needed a place to put my computer when I was doing things and all my shipping. Of course, of course, it's needed. I needed it. I needed a chair to go with the desk. I needed art for the walls in my room because who wants to look at bare walls? I needed and racks. I needed hangers. Now that you have your own business, it's a tax write-off. It's a write-off, right? It's a it's write-off. Write you just tell the write-off people and they write it off. And here I am in this room with all these art and painting about paint to paint the walls about so much stuff. And I didn't even have LuLaRoe yet. So wow. even if I wanted to quit at that moment when they called, even mm. if I had any sort of like, oh, maybe I shouldn't spend $9,000 on this. Wow. Yeah, I know. Wow. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't, but I've got 
$400 worth of office furniture and supplies in my whatever, you know, or $1,000 worth of stuff I've bought, it would be very silly for me to just not spend that $9,000 to justify all this stuff I bought. And that's the sunk cost fallacy. And it keeps you in longer because now you're going to be front-loading inventory. Like you talked about, um, sometimes it's easier when you look at that bonus check and you look like what you have to do to qualify for it. You're like, oh, a $5,000 bonus check. And all I need to do is spend $200. Yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to buy $200 worth of stuff I don't need to get my $5,000 bonus check. And And that's not something we come up with as distributors. Like that's not just because it's written in the paper pay plan that you come up with that. You come up with it because you have your leadership executive line calling you, reminding you why it's important. So there's, you know, there's the external influence, but then there's also at the big events, there's Mm -hmm. public recognition going back to all the dopamine hits, right? So there's public recognition built into every layer of the entire event. So whether it's the Friday night special meeting or the Saturday morning special meeting or the Saturday evening or the gala or the Sunday lunch um, or the special trip in the, it's it's hard to see because when you, you have to let yourself start seeing through a new lens. I mean, it, and the sunk cost fallacy, like I remember when I hit my sunk cost, sunk cost fallacy and it was early on right yeah. i mean i hadn't really invested in my life yet you know but in my mind i was like yeah it's too much to turn back now i can do this um it's it's painful to hear um but even more and i'm wondering if you can go here is one of the main quotes i remember and and that i feel like mlm runs on in almost any industry is how proud we are as Huns as, as MLMers um, to, I just find that so funny. Hey, hon, um, <laughs> you know, just the, the, the niceness, the kind of like you, when you get become a real good recruiter, you learn how to like do a check-in chat without actually <laughs> yes. asking anything yet. So it's like, Hey, and it's so funny to realize that the things you do aren't things that are actually you. They're actually behavior patterns yeah. that you learned from a time in your life that you've contexted it as more good than not. You've contexted it as quote positive um, even if you got out or maybe you context it as negative and you just try to not think about it, but you don't realize how much of the, that is psychological manipulation and emotional abuse that yeah. hasn't been metabolized or processed. And it's a part of why we have this podcast to talk about it because I process by talking about it. And then I'm like, just like you, you're like, whoa, you just said something that is. <laughs> um, so one of the main things we quote to, to legitimize the MLM industry in any company, you know, but in a nutrition company, we do it more than ever um, because it's synonymous is the early lawsuit where MLMs almost got regulated and um, how the FTC, and I'm just wondering if you could speak to that because when I heard that how that actually went down on a political level, um, it helped me really understand how, wow, we're quoting the very industry event that was rooted in some of the worst manipulation that has legitimized this industry since the 70s. Yeah, absolutely. You're talking about the Amway case in 1979? Amway versus the FTC. Yeah. So um, I've done a couple podcast episodes on like the history of this sort of stuff. And we talk about a lot of these old defunct 
pyramid schemes. There were a few uh, back then. And one of the things that MLMs also like to do, and they've been doing it since the beginning, is they like to um, throw a body out for the wolves to sacrifice to to prove that there are bad guys in the industry and that they're actually regulating themselves. Um, because MLMs have also successfully uh, made it so that they're self-regulated. <laughs> It's great. Listen so, to that. Yeah, this is classic yeah. cult maneuvers, right? Yeah. Is that the industry itself is self-regulated. And in my entire time in in the main company I was in, that was actually the claim to fame. The, you know, the, pre- yeah. the president was on the direct selling association and that's what made him more legitimate. And when I heard the fallacy of that, because of what you're saying, that we're basically, yeah. the industry is self-regulating. Yeah. So therefore it's patting itself on the back and giving itself awards and nominating its own people without any outside regulatory oversight. Yeah, there were some early pyramid schemes that got shut down. Holiday Magic, Costco, Interplanetary, um, and uh, there was another one I can't remember off the top of my head. Oh, Neutralite. So those were shut down for being pyramid schemes. Uh, Neutralite was actually absorbed into Amway, and Amway still sells Neutralite as a product, the flagship product. I think that's hilarious. I know. (laughs) This was all happening right around the time that Amway was being sued. and so essentially what happened was there were these other lawsuits that were used as the example of like, well, this is why these were shut down because this is what they're doing and we're not doing that. We're doing this and this is why it's different, but it's not really different. It was a lot of like Orwellian double talk and like, that's not what we mean by that, you know, and they were, uh, they were able to regulate uh, or they were able to put on the books that Amway was in fact a multi-level marketing company and that in a, a pyramid scheme is different because a pyramid scheme, you get paid to recruit and uh, there's no product or like some very like ridiculous things, but MLMs, the product is, re- or the money is replaced with a product instead of you're giving money in a pyramid scheme in an MLM, you're giving money for a product. And then that's what's being exchanged. It, it's, it's semantics. It's just pedantic semantics. Like it's just, no, uh, it's, it's about me. like, it's about like a lot of listeners. It's like when you hear about a case getting thrown out in court, Yeah, you know, something can be semantics, right? Um, and the person actually killed the person, but because there was some sort of paperwork off, the whole case gets thrown right. out. That's kind yeah. of like what you're talking about. So yeah, they were able to, they were able to successfully, um, win and, So since 1979, MLMs have been, quote, legal in the eyes of the U.S. government, and the U.S. government is sort of a model for some reason, (laughs) rest of the world in this industry. And so MLMs are not very highly regulated, really, in a lot of places in the world. Uh, China has some MLM regulation, oddly enough, and um, there's some other MLM regulations in other countries. There's some weird, like, I think it's Montana. One of the, one state in the United States has like a lot of MLM regulation where you'll see like not applicable in Montana or whatever it is. So it's very interesting kind of stuff. Um, Some of these places know for a fact that this is what this is. And so they put their own legislation in place, but uh, a lot of people are really interested to to find out that that MLM actually has its own lobby and caucus in the government. Um, and they gives have a offices. ton of money and has been ton. giving money. And yeah. even the original lawsuit, the DeVos family, uh-huh. had, you know, the, the money trail to to Congress and specifically to particular legislatures mm-hmm. to be able to um, 
you know, talk about how certain things gets passed or how certain loopholes gets created. And it's so big because when you look at and you follow money anywhere and you follow the lobbyists, you can see why certain things are passed and why certain loopholes are are in there. Yeah. And it's, it's really upsetting. You know, you start to dig into who the government connections are, like you'll, you'll break your heart. So don't do it if you're not prepared, but there's some big names and they're on both sides of the aisle. So if you're a Republican, sorry. And if you're a Democrat, sorry, uh, it is, it's bipartisan. It happens across the board. Every single person is getting paid the DSA. That's what they're called. The direct sellers association. They, uh, they don't care who's in office. They only care, uh, who they can pay. So they don't care if it's Republican or Democrat. They don't. They don't care. And these Um, companies, the leaders of these companies are funding the DSA and the DSA are then funding the lobbyists that are paying, uh, you know, the congressmen on both mm -hmm. ends of the aisle. And this has been going on since the early 70s, which even legitimized that early lawsuit Mm -hmm. in the first place and created that, that if you look at the money and the SEC, right, the SEC, FTC, I mean, there's so much. The Um, SEC doesn't really care that much. (laughs) Well, they don't care until there's something happens and then they care. But the SEC in terms of the MLM regulation, they don't care. What I meant more is like on the um, on the conference, I was so fascinated by how the numbers, like when it actually comes down to the numbers of people enrolling in MLMs, the long term, the short term, all of it, yeah. the numbers of loss and the, the amount of predatory abuse that's really starting to get amplified now that companies are going overseas mm-hmm. more and yeah. more. Um, yeah. But that the numbers in the United States have always been bad and that we keep using our own stats to legitimize a, yeah. an illegitimate industry. Well, the MLM and the DSA was heavily involved with getting China into the World Trade Organization so that China would be opened up for Amway and other MLMs to recruit their billion citizens. So that's that's a literal fact. MLM was heavily involved in making sure that that happened. So and wasn't know, there, a lot of in, things that wasn't there a lawsuit? Didn't the Indian government... Oh, there's been lawsuits against Amway yeah. or something. There's and been lawsuits. Don't hear a in, thing about that mm-hmm. in the U.S. Mm-mm. It's a lot of problems in India, a lot of problems in China. There were some, yeah, it's, there were some problems. Yeah, it's, it's bad. It's bad. And I, in the Philippines a lot, I had some guests on from the Philippines to talk about what was going on and, and what was happening in these different MLMs and these different scams that are running rampant and how there's no regulation and how nobody cares because there's no laws set up. There's no laws set up here either, really. Yeah. And and when you lose, when you, when I say lose, like, let's just say you're a person who joined, had relative success and then just kind of petered out. You just kind of go away with your tail between your legs and just kind of like, oh, I just didn't try hard enough. I didn't have what it takes, blah, blah, right. blah, blah. My All fault. of the slogans, right? The personal fault. Yeah. We don't see it as an industry or a cult that I just got manipulated by and because so much of the positive thinking and the so much success and training and then the shame, the public adoration, and then how much that's actually taken away. Your name isn't the amount of um, public silencing, right? like the way that silence is used. If your name is not uttered, you're right. sh- it's a form of shame in the industry. Yeah. And then there's also like the, like the de-edification of the people that they once edified. When mm. someone leaves that's high up, it's like, oh, well, they were, they, you know, they were obviously, clearly they were faking it. Clearly they weren't good enough. 
clearly, you know, this wasn't important to them. They're not successful. We thought they were successful. We thought they could, we could have, you know, it's that whole thing, like where you're now trying to convince other people that the people you kicked out are very bad. Yes. Don't talk to them, block them. And if you're following them, consider yourself blocked too. Like that kind of culty yes. behavior, this excommunication, yes. it's, it runs rampant in multi-level yes, marketing. Does rampant yes yes and it can you know it can disguise itself by being like um you know don't expose yourself to negativity don't let yourself get off right. the track and you know it might not you know certain times it's pure identification this person's this this and this and sometimes it's you know they didn't have what it takes you know right. and it's it, it it gives a space for you you know and it's mm -hmm. right in and so if you're quote focused you're not going to take the time to go find out why so and so the top the top leader from last week is no longer in and if somebody finds out you called them you're ostracized i mean there's all mm -hmm. sorts of levels yeah. of ways that this plays out in terms of like social expectation yeah. especially at different leadership levels or, or public recognition levels and I think once you've been excommunicated from a group like you can see it pretty easily <laughs> other places in your life and you can you can see it and you can call it out and I think what happens is a lot of times people join multiple MLMs I joined three yeah uh, I didn't realize it it didn't really click you know and sometimes you have to join a couple of them before you realize oh my gosh the common denominator is me but it's also that it's this business model. It's also the same the model. It's the model. It's not the product. Because I mean, to be or perfectly honest, MLMs have decent products and decent services. They're usually overpriced. They're usually like a little more hyped than they need to be. They're like, it's a 10. I'm like, hey, it's like a four and a half. <laughs> but it's better than a two. You know what I mean? Like, but it's priced like a 10. It's that sort of stuff. Um, I've had experiences where I've literally found the exact same thing on Alibaba.com for like two fifteen, like a necklace that's being sold for $85 on an MLM's website. Nice. And I'm like, well, I, geez, I wonder where the MLM got all of their necklaces from. <laughs> it's the exact same necklace. And you are the one that is now buying this $2, $3 necklace for $25 wholesale, quote, quote, and then selling it. It's obnoxious mlm's true customer is the consultant if you're a lucky consultant you might be able to pass that monkey paw onto someone else but for the most part you're stuck with it you're stuck with it and you don't realize you're the true customer until you open up your garage to put in that next box you had to buy to get your bonus and you go oh my god i have so much lularoe in here i don't even know where i'm gonna put this box yeah, okay, you know, whatever or, it is, you know, or all the product, right? Like the amount of nutrition that I would have bought, um, and then boxes I consumed, and boxes of shakes, you know, and, and I wouldn't have everything. consumed that much regularly. But I also worked at a pace that was abhorred, and I did it for a decade straight. And so when you're doing that much twenty four seven, you don't realize, yeah. wow, I, I, there's there's no place for care or fun or no. or relaxation. And that's why I need to consume, you know, $500 worth of nutrition a month. <laughs> um, um, but again, one of the things, and I'm sure you could speak to this too, is the pace in which we're trained to go so that you don't actually get a stop and pause and be like, 
what is actually going on? And and also that, you know, I thought I learned so many business skills in that industry. <laughs> and I I did to some relative degree compared to who I was at 22 when I started. But anything you do for 12 years straight, you're going to learn something. So let me get clear that this is a part of what it means to pull our essential self from the identity right. we formed when we joined a cult. Um, the, the work ethic or the effort, that you, the busyness that one is kept in, um, the business skills I learned were essentially what I now know as I spent time deconstructing this are marketing skills, you know, certain communication skills, right. interpersonal, as well as group communication skills. But some of the skills I didn't learn are budgeting or um, uh, what it means to <laughs> balance books, to, <laughs> taxes. The only reason my upline taught us anything about taxes is because his top leaders were starting to get under hot water with the IRS and he realized he none of them had any oh skills. God. And, and so I didn't actually learn skills, but I learned enough to file taxes. And mm. what I'm trying to get at is any level that somebody's in an MLM, some of the basic things you hear are, you know, it's going to be a tax write-off. So you get mm -hmm. all of these, which again, the industry is teaching you about things, but they're telling you don't go to business school because business right. school is a waste of time. But there you actually get the full picture of how to run a business, right. not, just not just this little window. Glorified, yeah. I was a glorified salesperson and a glorified marketer, right. but I didn't own a business. I thought I owned right. a business. Yeah. And so speak to that. Yeah. MLM really like is fed with hustle culture. So you already have hustle culture and gig culture, which is already like, it's, it's a whole new thing than like what our parents had. Right. And it can be great if you can, if you can manage it, it's a lot, it's a lot to have multiple gigs and multiple hustles. It's a lot, but unfortunately <laughs> capitalism and the way that things are done and the way that inflation works and how bills are paid and how everything costs so much money. Sometimes you have to have a side hustle or a side gig. And I get it. A lot of times that side hustle though, is like your passion project. Like you're a musician and you're going to work all day and then you're coming home and you're doing your your music until the way hours of the night and you're not getting any sleep and you're you're sacrificing and you're working quote for free for your passion it's not like that with MLM because it's not your passion you're a glorified salesperson and so they built this the idea of passion projects and the idea of having a, a side gig and to and the idea of the positive side of hustle culture which is being passionate and putting and putting your effort towards something for the greater for your greater purpose later and understanding that and keeping out the toxic aspect but they take all of that and they make it look really pretty and they package it but they really are just selling you the toxic aspects of it they're they're showing you the positive aspects of it but they're only selling you the toxic so you're getting something that you're not really signing up for and you're getting thrown into this really toxic hustle culture mm. and this generation always you know, justifies it well, because of this and that and this and that, and they justify it. And so there's a lot of people out there who maybe aren't doing this side hustle thing, but want to, right? I'm like, I need a side hustle. I need to get into this. What am I into? What can I be passionate about? You know what I love? I love makeup. I love makeup. Maybe I can make a YouTube channel and I could do makeup on YouTube. And so they start doing this YouTube and they realize it's really hard. Because you can't monetize your YouTube unless you have like 4,000 watch hours and over a thousand subscribers. And it's hard to get to that point. So they're hustling, hustling, hustling. And then maybe someone comes along and they go, oh my God, I love your YouTube videos. You would be so good at what I do. 
And you're like, oh my God, finally, someone's recognizing me for my hard work. But it's not, they're not. It's an MLM and it's a hun. And she's like, ooh, look, a victim. And so you think that you're getting, you know, like a, a sponsorship or an affiliate you're going to get to make money. You're going to be able to do this. This is just one example. It comes in many different ways, but you're blending this idea of working your passion project, working your hustle, building your dream outside of what you have to do. But what you're really getting into is a pyramid scheme and a cult that's going to just milk you for everything. And I'm not just saying your money, like your mental health, your financial health, your, your relationships. Yeah, absolutely. Everything. It will come in and it will plant, it'll get its little roots in there and it will, it will break apart those sidewalks, those foundations you've built. Those roots will tear it up. It doesn't even care. They will tell you your husband, your wife, your partner is the enemy, that they don't support you, that they're negative, that they don't like you. And, and they're just jealous of your success. Why would vision. you want to be with somebody like that? And they don't have the vision for what you have. They yes, can't, they can't see, see the vision. They've never been here. They can't feel what we, what we're doing. They're just a hater. And then what they try to do is they try to get the husband to come in. And sometimes the husband comes in and they get brainwashed into it too. And they're like, oh my God, I'm all in. Let's do this. Then you're really screwed because your lifeboat just sunk. Joined the cult too. There, It's a part of it. It is. And I really hope mm -hmm. there's people listening right now that are not in their heads going, oh my God, yes, that happened to my mm -hmm. friend. That happened to me. I remember that. Like it happens. It is so systemic and formulaic that I typed it into a chat GPT and it wrote me two separate MLM stories that were literally exactly the same, except one of them got a bunch of money and one of them lost everything, but it was the same. They were both single moms. They were both named Sarah, oddly enough. They were both working really hard and doing everything they needed to do. But one Sarah just was really good. And one Sarah just wasn't. And it really is like, it's so formulaic yeah. that a robot could fill in the blanks and it would make sense. And it would sound like any episode on my show. And, Completely and believable. One of the key indicators here is one of the ways that you know you'll get all buy-in is only after someone gets to a conference. Oh, yeah. You got to get them to the party. You got, I call them troll parties. I don't know if anybody saw the troll movie, but it's like that. More glitter, like glitter cannons and exploding fire pyrotechnics. I mean, go on YouTube and search like MLM conference and just watch some of the clowns on display with the pyrotechnics and the props and the costumes and the dancing and the, it's, it, it's, it's not a business conference. Like, and then take a step back and be like, they sell shampoo. They sell vitamins. Like what this looks like, I, I don't even know, like the Oscars, like a, like a, like a halftime show. This is not a business conference. And then that, that's built into the formula. And it's absolutely like that it's, built that into it's it. So, it's so legitimized. This goes back many, many years. The studies, the academics have studied this. They've looked at the patterns, just like there's yeah. a whole academic field for cult research. There have been cult studies over many decades, over many companies specific to the, 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 the financial stats, the, the specific country stats, yeah. the, the various, you know, 
qualities, types, the leadership. And one of the things that really stood out too is that I didn't recognize as some of my early indoctrination was how at the conference, there's, you know, there's this whole like anthem, the God bless, God bless America to the flag and then God mm-hmm. and the whole family unit. Lots and of faith manipulation. Yeah. The faith yeah. stuff and how that's all tied into um, religious and political cults yeah, and absolutely. how those are all very much wrapped into the same ball. Mm-hmm. And when I, it, when I heard that Roberta, it took me back to the first couple of conferences that me and my husband at the time went to. And I, I didn't see it then as manipulation, as good culture indoctrination never is seen as no. it's happening. Um, but it blew my mind to suddenly realize like, whoa, they infiltrated my marriage through yeah. this. And I didn't even realize that mm-hmm. was happening or that that happened. I've heard stories of, they're do, like of MLMs doing altar calls and baptisms at these MLM conferences. I've seen videos of them doing baptisms at the hotel pool at the MLM conference. And there are people just lining up, walking into the pool and getting baptized just at a shampoo conference. Like what the fuck is happening? Yeah. And that the more special kind of leadership circles, kind of this specialness, just like kind of yeah. being around the special leader, whether it's right. the special guest coming in or whether it's the owners or the owner's wife has a, a women's leadership mm-hmm. business meeting, but there's always a special group. And the more you knit the group, you know, it's, 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 it's tied in around like love for country, love for God, love for company, love for self. And that America, that dream is tied right up in that full on. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, another, another hustle culture aspect that MLM does that I was going to say, and I completely forgot to is they do a lot of fast start bonuses. And the fast start bonus is really, really predatory. It encourages these people to do a lot of work really fast. You get indoctrinated very quickly and you get sunk quickly. You have to buy a certain amount. You have to do a certain amount. You have to hit a certain thing in a certain amount of time. And it's very, very high energy, high dopamine. Oh my God, you're dead again. Not recognize. I get a bonus. You get a bonus too, because- I hit those numbers in that fast start, but I'm the recruit from you and you recruited me, even though you don't get paid for recruiting, somehow you're getting paid for on someone you recruited. Hmm, That's weird. There's that Orwellian doublespeak again. So now Mm -hmm. you're not getting paid to get someone to sign their name, but you are getting paid the second they sign their name to get them to buy that extra package to be able to qualify for the start fast start bonus because you can only qualify for it if you buy the certain package and get on the certain track because that's how much pv whatever you know you need which are all these different acronyms that are intentionally meant to be confusing to confuse you and, and because the pv yeah the pv it's like they'll have a a a, a point value associated yeah, with the dollar personal value. volume point and when you're value. a new when you're a customer or a new recruit you have no idea the difference between a pv and the, the dollar BV value or a gv and then right. yeah and then that's the thing it's not always one for one it's not dollar it's for dollar it's definitely not one for one um but a good company will quote have we used to say stuff like that a good company will have points that are close to the dollar value see how our points are just a few points away 
way, but blah, blah, blah. But there could be other products that were like much lower. But you see, change the point value at any time. And the fact that that even exists, (laughs) what it does is it creates this. Um, it replaces I'm money better. in the pyramid scheme. It's and it makes me be able to use that very language as, as if I'm a better recruit because I'm explaining this to you because I've learned how to explain a very predatory model in a very right. in a facade that makes you feel more comfortable. Like what a right. brilliant skill to have until you realize it's predatory and you realize, wow, I've recruited thousands of people into a predatory model that I didn't right. even recognize as such. Right. And uh, it's just, it's, there's so many things. I mean, we could literally, I mean, I have a whole (laughs) podcast on the subject, but like we could literally talk about this for days and days and days on end. And I could like text you in four hours and be like, oh, and this, it's, it's a never ending thing because it's, it's new enough that we're unpacking it sort of in real time. And there's a lot of people coming into the fray going, oh my God, me too, that are finally feeling the courage to be able to speak up. You know, not all of us are super brave coming out of the door. I felt like I had been burned, like, like a scorned ex. I was like, oh, I Taylor Swifted LuLaRoe. Do you know what I mean? Like, I was like, oh, everyone's going to know about this. Okay. Like, that's what happened for me. But not everybody has the strength, the brave, like the, the, the ability to do that, the privilege to do that. I was in a place where I had the privilege to be able to do that, to be able to put myself on the line and be like, I'm going to be okay yeah, because I had Roberta, someone who was taking care of me at that yeah, time. Yeah. And when my business collapsed, you know, I did look at getting an attorney and I asked a couple associates I knew about suing an MLM and I no. only got negative feedback about that. No. They were like, that's a bad road to go mm-hmm. down. And, you know, a lot of us, I think, and, and you're talking to this around this Me Too movement, more people are coming forward saying, yeah, and and we're not going to brush it under the rug. And I, and I find this is what disrupts predatory patterns more than anything, mm-hmm. is it's not actually doing all the work to heal, because that's going to just take life. You have to yeah. undo it every moment of every day. This is what it means <laughs> to have indoctrination in, in our bodies and psyches. But speaking out loud to saying, you know, this is what happened. I don't even know the full scope of the reality of it all yet, but like, this is the story, right? And to, to, at the time when that happened for me, I didn't recognize it fully as abuse. I just knew something bad just happened. Yeah. And I wasn't fully at fault. Right. And I I had so much indoctrination around thinking it was my fault that some part of me knew it wasn't, but I didn't have enough language to know what to do next. And so I just sunk away. I just disappeared and I I didn't have language. And I had good friends that were successful. And I say successful because they were at high leadership ranks. They're speaking at all of their events. And they appear very successful. Exactly. They appear successful. And, you know, it wouldn't be till 10 years later that I have language to really describe. But 10 years, you know, I... I now know because of cult indoctrination, I had to face my childhood cult before I could really unpack what happened in MLM. But what you're speaking to here, Roberta, is just, it's so important that at whatever stage, you might just be in the stage of listening, which is why Mm -hmm. podcasts like yours exists, where you're just bursting the bubble of all of the scenarios that you want to come up with in your own mind of why your company is more legitimate, why your (laughs) experience is more legitimate, why your, why your unique scenario. But this is what's so powerful about speaking out loud to the patterns 
because yeah. patterns don't lie. And, and the next company you go to that you might get quote enticed by, you'll you'll have a sense of a what a pattern makes you feel. Mm-hmm. And you'll be like, mm. and mm. as we learn that language, we learn like, <laughs> oh, I think that's narcissism. Oh, I think that's gaslighting. We, yeah. we empower ourselves to recognize, ooh, that has a flavor to it. <laughs> I don't think yeah. I want that. I don't right? like that and flavor. MLMs have a flavor and it doesn't matter what the packaging and the new scent is. There's a, a flavor and we can get better and better at identifying it. Same thing with spiritual cults. Same thing with political cults. All of them have patterns, right? Yeah. Patterns that we can begin to identify. It's funny that you said flavor because I used to use like a flavor analogy to explain how I felt about like leaving an MLM. And I said, it it almost felt like we were all like drinking, you know, like some delicious fruit punch or whatever, you know, I don't want to like make that reference, but we're all drinking a certain kind of flavor. And then all of a sudden one day they, they just changed it to diet and didn't tell anybody. And everyone's like, this is so delicious. And I'm like, this is diet though. And they're like, no, it's so good. And I'm like, no, but it's, it's different. It's just different enough. And I'm like, it's different. And they're like, what are you talking about? It's still fruit punch. And I'm like, "Mm, yes, technically it is fruit punch, but it's different now. And I think, you know, it's like the, just the different flavor. And that's what it felt like. It just felt like they changed the flavor on me overnight and everybody gaslit me about it. Like, this is not diet. I'm like, you're there's, it is though. (laughs) Yeah. That's what it felt like. So it's funny that you said flavor because that was one of my very first early analogies when I didn't have that language to say this is what it feels like everybody's they switch the ketchup brand it's this is not Heinz like yes I know Heinz Heinz. (laughs) and then and then they're like why are you making it's just tomato sauce Roberta why are you making it such a big deal and and you're like Yo, it's just because I know what my taste buds feel yes. like and taste like. And this is what is so insidious. You don't insidious. have to have ketchup if you don't want to. And I'm like, hey, you uh, know, there's some whole cities that only have mustard on their ketchup. And Chicago's one, I mean, on their hot dog. And and ketchup is so unnecessary, right? So yeah, we can use thankful. culture. Exactly. You <laughs> gratitude. And then we use all these. And these are signs and symptoms of predatory behavior in full effect because it it spews back kind of real truth, like a real truth, like gratitude. Well, yeah, gratitude is important, but let's context it. Right now I'm venting. Venting is also important. I don't have to combine my gratitude with my venting session. Um, That was another thing. The toxic positivity was another red flag. Where toward the end, I remember having like a wine, a wine, like a girl's night, like a wine night at one of my former teammates that she had left. And we had all stayed friends and they invited me over. And I was the only one, all of us had sold LuLaRoe, but I was the only one there who was still technically active and they had all left. And they were like, why are you doing that? Like, what are, why are you staying? And I remember being like, well, I feel like, I feel like there's so many bad apples that like, because I'm a good apple, like maybe I can help people or I can change something. And I just remember like, those were my last little grips of reality, like slipping through Mm -hmm. my fingers where I was like starting to actually realize that like, I can't, and it, it is this thing. And like, it was this, Hey, they were asking me the questions I was already asking myself. And then I was in a, a safe space because we weren't online. We were in the living room and we we're all together and nothing was being recorded or listened in on. Yeah. 
And I was just like, I don't know why I stay. And it was, it was another just sort of like straw. It wasn't the one that broke it, but it was close. It was one of the last ones. And I just remember being in that moment and hearing these honest feelings from people that I cared about and loved and had known for a long time. And I was like, it really made me start to look at different things and different perspectives and being like, okay, well, I know I was successful, but like these people are telling me how hard it was for them. And I had to really look at other people's lived experiences because it was something in my privilege that I had never really had to deal with. And in this moment, I did that. And Mm. it really was like, oh my gosh, like I'm the, I'm the 1% of this team. Like you guys are failing, but it's feeding my paycheck and you're almost losing your house and you and your husband are fighting and over here, you can't afford your vacation or you're just skipping it or you missed your kid's recital because we were at a convention And I'm really the only one who's actually reaping any sort of benefit. And it's not much more than what I was making before MLM. It was a giant nothing burger Mm. for three years was my MLM experience. Mm. A giant nothing burger from it works to Modere. I, I have nothing to show for it. And then that made me feel like, oh my God. So then I was like, I need to do something again the bravery like having that the ability to step forward and say i i'll i'll tell my story and i'll help you tell yours too yeah yeah and, and that's just, all i knew that i could fix i knew that i got 75 women into this and i had to at least get 75 women out mm. i just karma was like let's just get you back to like basic flat i'm like okay let's just get me back to neutral and, and that that and- was the goal an exponential to that. And I feel like that's what your (laughs) podcast does and what podcasting in general does is that I feel like it's a very non-shaming way Mm -hmm. to help burst people's illusion bubble and cognitive dissonance bubbles. Uh, Because the nature of being in a a cult is you you don't know it's one. If you did, if you knew that the amount of manipulation that your whole life is fueled by, if you saw it, you know, so many of us in our, in our right hearts wouldn't do that. Um, I, and we don't want to see it, you know? And so we'll, we'll not listen as long as it takes until one day you got to listen and then you're like, oh, and there it all is. Um, you know, I just really value the, the atmosphere you're creating and I can still feel inside how much I still justify it of the industry. Um, and I, and I say that, um, and I, and I, you know, in my own cult level healing, um, I can tell when I'm listening to someone who just hasn't processed and metabolized certain stuff about definitely, stuff, you know, and yeah. that's just okay, you know, it's not my place to be like, yeah, you know, you have. I actually this, have this and this and this. Yeah, <laughs> um, I actually have some interviews I've done that I didn't publish because. Various reasons, but a lot of times just because they're just not, they're not in the right headspace. Mm. And I sort of realized that sort of halfway through the interview and was like, well, this was a good therapy session, at least. I had a couple uh, of those. When they're ready to tell their story again, when they're a little in a little more healed space and it's nothing against anybody. It just, it takes time. And sometimes, I mean, here's the thing. I did an interview a few months out of MLM. So this is a good example. It's still up. It's on the podcast called Sounds Like an MLM, But Okay. 
and there's it's like two it's I, it's like not edited i'm fresh out of LuLaRoe. i have no idea about the cult connections and and the government i have no idea about any of it so you could listen to that podcast and be like oh my god this girl is like what and then listen to this one and be like wow that's six years of growth like that's yeah. That's working on it. And I like having those old podcasts up because again, it's the same reason I leave my old ones up. It's growth yeah. and you can grow with me. And it's not as scary when someone's holding your hand, even if it's invisible and I don't know I'm holding your hand. Yeah, I don't mind holding your hand and having this odd parasocial relationship that we have right. that I don't know about. It's fine. I'll be your bestie and we can hold hands on hikes and walks and things like that. <laughs> and what's important, I think for listeners to hear too, you know, if if you've been in an MLM or currently you are in one or any level of of cult influence or what we're calling um, coercive control or coercive influence is there are so many quality um, experiences and transformations that we can have within groups that we meet, right? Within a company that we join, within a religious, whatever the thing is, Um. I think that one of the things with MLM or a commercial cult, if you could, you know, speak to this as we're getting closer to wrapping up here is um, how the stories themselves aren't grounded in reality, meaning <laughs> there real? can be, <laughs> and I say grounded because what I think good MLM stories, uh, and I say good ones, and I don't mean good as good. I mean more like ones that are really good at the facade. They'll yeah. have these books of the millionaire club, and you get the right. magazine, and you're looking at these stories of these incredible husband and wife teams that have built blah, 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 and blah, 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 blah. And what you aren't learning yet is that their income is rarely from the company itself. It's actually from the training tools that are sold. Um, mm -hmm. And then in addition to that, their story isn't grounded in reality because they've had maybe three or four companies behind them and they've built mm -hmm. up multiple teams over mm -hmm. many years. And this is kind of a glossed over rebranded version of a story and how common that is. That's not unique to the company I come from or two other companies of friends of mine that are in stuff. It's a, it's, this is industry wide. And the yeah. more we can start seeing the language that becomes uh, in cult worlds, there, there is cult language, no matter the ideology. So it could right. be a Christian cult or a, a yoga cult, a Eastern cult, but the language is the same in terms of the course of control. MLM's the same way. It doesn't matter the, the specifics of the company, the products we're selling, but the course of language. Right. So I actually have a term for the type of people you are describing. And it is called a mega hun. <laughs> mega hun. Yeah. I know some mega huns in the So industry. a mega hun is someone who is very complicit, who understands the game. They're the ones on social media that are saying, you know, M MLMs are like this really great industry and the, the haters. They're the ones convincing you. They're the ones that are always trying to show you how great their life is. They have a perfectly curated Instagram. They might have like, you know, a coach, a side coaching, because they're such a good MLM or they're going to coach you how to do it too. Like they, it's very curated. There is nothing that is going on that, that they don't want you to see. And I understand it's social media, right? Like you're not going to like, my, my feed is curated, but it's also not like hyper curated. Do you know what I mean? 
So we got these hyper curated. They've got like the perfect story circles that are like all branded and like they have like so many followers. You're like, how did you get that many followers? I think they bought them anyway. So they've got these beautiful feeds and they're, they're showing off this life. They are the Queens of FOMO. And there's all this language, like this could be you. Don't you want to do this? I'm so happy. I finally said yes to the company that changed my life, that saved my marriage. All of the things that you are inherently afraid of in your life, all of your fears that you don't ever want to think about or say, those are the things they will promise that they can fix. They're, they're the bandaid for everything. So they create this very beautifully curated Instagram, but let me tell you two stories that are real that I've been told on my show and I'll leave everything anonymous. One was a woman that was on my show that went to a party. She finally got, it was a training event at like the, oops, my phone, my watch is listening to us. So, uh, one was a, a woman who finally rised up into the pyramid high enough that she was invited to like a top mega hunch training at her beautiful house, right? The beautiful Instagram house that you see them doing just, she was so excited to go. She gets there. They're doing this whole thing. The mega hun is like doing her whole spiel. She's all about it. And everybody's there just soaking everything up. All these little kernels of wisdom, just like little sponges. And her husband comes home. And he's pissed and he looks around the room and he goes, oh, he, he says, <laughs> I quote, ah, top of the pyramid and we're still fucking broke. And he slams the door and he goes to the other room. And the girl that was on my show was just like, oh, so there's one story. And another was somebody who reached out to me who was high up in a company and I'm not even going to share the company, but she was high up in a company. And uh, I was familiar of this person because of my anti-MLM stance. And I just know of certain people. And this person knew of me again because of my anti-MLM stance because I'm a hater. Stay away. And uh, it was her and her husband. They were a very high ranking couple, very powerful, making all the money on all the webinars for their MLM, on all the conferences for their MLM. You'd see them. They had like the inspirational story in the uh, like the literature that you would get at the MLMs, that kind of level of, oh, my God, she eventually reached out to me via email. And she was like, hey, do you remember me? This person, you know, we know each other because of anti-MLM. There's been kerfuffles. She says, I want to apologize. I'm sorry. I said, no hard feelings. And she also wanted to let me know that her entire life, her entire MLM life had been a facade. It had all been fake, that her husband had been having an affair with some other person in the MLM the whole time behind her back, that all of this was fake, that she was always scrambling to maintain, that it was the worst time of her life to be the most successful she'd ever been, that the money wasn't worth it, and that everything I say on my podcast is 100% true, and that she apologized for ever doubting me. Mm. And we had a really great moment. And I said, hey, don't even worry about it. Like, hate messages are a dime a dozen. And I'm sorry, we even had a kerfuffle back, back, back and everything's fine now. And she goes, I love the work you're doing. Please keep it up. You're an inspiration. Mm. So those are two stories, two real true stories about the people at the top and what it looks like on the other side of that Instagram filter. It's not real. 
It's yeah. not real, but you have to make it real because if and, I'm showing you that I'm in a horrible marriage with a horrible person that it, and we're super duper broke all the time, you wouldn't want to join my team. You wouldn't want to join this life. That's not a life anybody wants. So I have to raw, raw it up with glitter and lies and fallacies and bank statements and anything else that makes me look fancy maxing out a credit card on Louis Vuitton so I can show you my new weekender. So you can be like, oh my God, what is she doing? I need to be a part of it. It's not real. In fact, at Amway conventions and Amway things, they have, and this was an episode on my podcast, someone confessed this, they have rentals that are that are contracted out from Amway where you can rent expensive suits, expensive jewelry, expensive watches, expensive attache cases. I don't even know. So that you can rent it for the convention, so that you can look successful for the convention, so that people can be like, oh my God, he is wearing Versace. I need to invest more money in my team. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah, and, not real. Yeah, and I, I wanna I wanna land this and and really have listeners hear that, you know, even if you're not in a woman-centric company this looks very much the same for you know tailor-made suits on men with their rolex mm -hmm. watches and the um, alligator shoes and you know the red tie and just like all of the systems that are in place of what success quote is supposed to look like the amount of money that the companies are spending to bring in the guest speakers mm -hmm. that are outside of our industry that quote yeah. legitimize quote the industry so that we as reps feel a sense of belonging that we're a part of the entrepreneurial <laughs> spirit to change the world and that this is so built into you getting a chance to shake the hand of that leader who you've been reading in the magazine and mm -hmm. you set a goal to to hit that next promotion level or make that trip because you're going to get a few personal moments of time and a few moments of time with a millionaire can change your life. And so whether you're getting the motivation from the feminine, woo, the Versace bag and be a part of it, a woo, hun, boss, babe club, or you're a part of it from the masculine side of, you know, time freedom, a man of God, oh, spending yeah. time with his children, <laughs> wearing the suit, free time, flying out, you know, the coaching business, the, the professional speaking business, all of the side businesses that legitimize the profession of the network yeah. marketing industry. There's These a lot of uh, emasculation of men in multi-level marketing that a lot of people don't talk about. And I try to have men on my show because I think that their perspective and their stories are really important as well. 25% of victims of multi-level marketing are men. And so I try to have at least 25% <laughs> men to share that, step. to share their perspective and to, and to have that. And the things like single men say, I was targeted. Don't you want to be the kind of man that a good woman would marry? Don't you want to be the kind of man that's successful enough to land a 10? So you're already, you're objectifying women as the prize you will get once your MLM makes you successful. So like if there's two ridiculous, man. if you're a real man, real man, and then you get into the whole transphobia bullshit of real oh. man. Like what the fuck is that? So sorry, but 
Yeah, stepping on it's another old, soapbox on top of my other soapbox. But it's it's so important because the leadership ranks will will encode a formula of what quote success right. looks like, and whether or not you know you're getting the drip. Mm. Every big conference is giving you the example of you, so you can see yourself in that person's story. And when I started listening to the conference, you and 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 Stephen Hassan uh, and um, you know the the book. Merchants of, Deception. Merchants, oh, of Merchants of Deception. Merchants of Deception. Yeah. Eric, so that Eric book, Eric Schleiber, that book, listening to that book was like listening to my own experience just a decade, yeah. two decades later. And so I, I'm really bringing that up because of the elite circles, you know, men will do those same types of leadership, um, corporate level. It's, it's very like, um, like commodities traders, Mm -hmm. the energy of a good Mm ammo. I say a good, I I mean, a successful and appearing successful. It's, it's really an important thing because the idea is to, to, um, hype the free time one has the free time. And I make money. A lot of people make money, but I make money and I have free time and there isn't free time. I've never met one of any of these leaders that ever really could put their phone down without replying within minutes because the internal busyness, even if they didn't have something to do, they had to do something because the internal agitation that had built up to actually be successful in that system requires a constant focus and goal of action. of some sort. Yeah. You know, and I think being a pod, a professional podcaster now, like this is now my job and it is the only job I've had where I am literally making money while I'm sleeping or whatever, because of my sponsorships and things like that. Like I now have actual freedom. I took my daughter on Saturday. Uh, she came home from her dad's and I said, we're, we're having an adventure tomorrow. We live here in San Diego. It's winter. We drove 6,000 feet to the top of Mount Crumpet, <laughs> San Diego, to Laguna Mountains. We took a snowy hike out to a lake. We played in the ice in the lake. We built a tiny snowman because there wasn't a ton of snow. And then we decided, let's go to the beach. And then we drove down the mountain and took the dog to the beach. That's freedom. I had it like six hours of dopamine-filled adventure with my dog and my daughter being as uniquely San Diego as we possibly could, we ended down in National City near uh, the Mexico border and had birria tacos. Freaking amazing. I love San Diego. I love San Diego. And had this really great adventure with my kid. And I'm making up for all the time that my MLM stole from her mm. with me when mm. I would have to go someplace and I would tell, like, what do I tell my kid? Deanne, the owner of LuLaRoe, would literally say, you should tell her that you need to leave because you're helping other mommies right now. I'm like, how do you say that to a three-year-old's face? I have to leave you because I need to help other mommies. But that's what we were told. And at my daughter, but can we go swimming? Can we do this thing? Can we? No, we can't. I have to take pictures or I have to do the sale or I have to go live or whatever. There was no time freedom. And now it's like yesterday. She's like, what are we going to do today? And I was like, we're recovering from yesterday. Like we're letting our muscles relax. <laughs> we're just chilling. Like it's a weekend. I get my weekends back. I haven't had weekends and I'm a hairstylist where I was. So it's like, I haven't had weekends in a really long time. And I finally have a job that I love that creates passion in my life that helps people. And that pays my bills 
even if I'm at the top of a mountain or at the beach, or I'm sitting in front of my computer, busting my ass. And it is such a rewarding thing. And it sucks that I had to go through all of this to find it. But like MLM was my abyss and I'm on the other side of the hero's journey and I'm, I'm succeeding and I'm, I'm living the authentic life that I'm trying to help others find as well. And will everybody start a podcast? No, someone might, but there are so many avenues in your life to take your life back and to find the passion and to live authentically. And honestly, every single day, I'm just trying to be the best person I can be and, and live the best life I can. And there are also a lot of legitimate amazing businesses that we can create income from that are not in the industry. So the industry itself sells us on the fact that it's one of the only values of having this part-time gig. And it's just, it's so not rooted in truth. So hear what Roberta is saying, listen to her episodes. There's so much real reality studies. I think it's one of the biggest things when we're waking up to the illusions of false identity, um, whether it was the indoctrination of your own family or it was the cult you were raised in or the religion you joined or whatever the story is, the commercial cult you um, got suckered into by your neighbor um, (laughs) that turned into a career for you. And when something's a career, there is a level of our own uh, identity that becomes legitimized. Like, who am I without this? And I know I had to ask myself that, like, who am I? My whole concept of myself as a leader, as a successful woman was tied up in in that identity, in that business. And the business counts on that. Predatory Mm -hmm. patterns count on us to go away silently and to not break things down for what they actually are. And so by listening to podcasts and the work, of, of, of like what you're doing and other experts out here, it helps us see ourselves and, and really reclaim ourselves, reclaim Absolutely. because anything we do consistently and with effort and dedication, we can get successful and, and hearing you're a successful podcaster with sponsorships. It means so much because yeah. I know that I told myself, I made a promise to myself when, when my MLM decimated, like, something's off. I don't know what it is, but I'm never going to do that again, whatever that was. And I had friends try to get me in the industry again. And genuinely, I wanted to join them. I mean, a part of me did. And a part of me was like, full breaks. No, there was (laughs) no way any part of me was doing it. And I had to listen to that inner somatic part. And only now is that part waking up to saying, you can have a legitimate business. It's healthy to, yeah. to make money in the world. We're allowed, right? And it's a part yeah. of what it means to come out of indoctrination in a cult and realize there are very healthy ways to promote our passions, to get right. our voices to the world. Without being scammy. To make money Absolutely. in the world off of a legitimate service or product. That's not mm. scammy. And it's not a multi-level marketing company because the right. industry itself is rooted in a foundation that is predatory. And right. you may not be willing to look at that yet, but the stats are in, folks. The numbers don't lie. Decades of, of pattern research and study shows this. And your work shows it. And all the other experts that you've come together to bring us this information shows it. And then your inspiration of being who you are shows it. Thank you. Yeah. It's been a long road, you know, and it's been a lonely road and it's been a broken road and it's been a hard road. And I've, I've 
really dismantled a lot of things in my life. And I've left a lot of things behind. And it was tough. But I also had to realize that like, my energy is like, it's really sacred. And like, I can't just give it out freely. And so one of my favorite things to say, and I've actually had a lot of my friends are adopting it, and they're saying it too, which I love. But I had I said, like, I'm no longer setting myself on fire to keep other people warm. Mm. And I'm just not going to. Um, and it's just important, you know, and the only person I'm even willing to set myself on fire for is my kid and maybe just my arm, maybe just my arm, not my whole body. And she knows that too. And, you know, I'm setting healthy mm. boundaries with my child as well. And yes. she's learning about boundaries and being respectful and understanding when it's her place to <laughs> jump into a conversation or to stay out of things. And like, she's learning that and it's really important and it's tough, but I, if I'm going to be better every day, I got to be a better person. I got to be a better mom too. And so I, I fully admit that MLM made me not the greatest mom, even though I thought it was the best. I was like, I'm doing everything. I'm like killing it. What are you talking about? You know? Um, and now it's not, you know, like we're just having fun. We're doing really fun things and experiencing life. And, you know, it just, it's wonderful. And I'm just so thankful. I'm just so thankful that that road was so rocky and broken, but it brought me here, you know, and I, I love where I am. <laughs> I I can think of a couple that I'd all throw in on this question to, to wrap us up, but, um, for listeners to really um, begin to see some of the predatory patterns that MLM really represents. I know the longer one's out of something like with a religious call that I can, I can be like, blah, 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 blah. I can find things so fast. Um, and MLM too, I can, I can, feel yeah. the t- the scent or the flavor of it really fast. So some of the indicators I'll throw out three, maybe you can throw out one, uh, one two or three. Um, yeah. But, you know, ask to take home the form that the, the original mm-hmm. form ask to take that home before signing it for at least 24 to 48 hours and actually read it. But even just the ask will elicit mm-hmm. a certain response and a good quote, I say that, meaning the higher up in rank, meaning they're much more skilled in the recruiting process, they'll respond in a way that is okay, meaning actually read that though. I want you to actually read the form. Others will actually yeah. maybe not respond so positively. Right. Um, so that's one that comes to mind. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say ask a lot of questions and also pay attention. Yeah. Like you said, like pay attention to their reaction to the question. Is the question like a really offensive question? Should they be as offended as they were by that question? That's a red flag. If you ask a very simple question, like, well, how much can I expect to make? And they're like, well, I mean, uh, and they get really offended or they, or they lie or they say, you know what I mean? Like if you get a weird ick, like follow Trust that, ick. like understand, um, understand Trust that it. that's, that's not, that's that's your cognitive dissonance being like, hey, mm-hmm. something's weird. And the questions are just okay. Again, questions yeah. are very, very Ask okay. Ask questions. And, and watch the response. Ask a lot of questions. Really, really um, yeah. Take that form home. If there's like a sign-up form or a contract, take it home and actually read it. Read it. Literally read it. Read it. Read it. Like read and, it and read it. Because I didn't read mine. I thought I read mine. I took it home. I'm being like the smart consumer. But, you know, I definitely didn't see the clause that says it's mm-hmm. not actually my business. Right. Yeah. So take it home and get a couple highlighters. You know, we got like a pink, yellow, green, whatever, however you want to do. Green, you might want to highlight things you understand. Oh, yeah. No, that makes sense. Green. Do, 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 do. Yellow might be things you want to have questions about. And red is holy crap. That's a red flag. What do you mean? I, if I sue you, I have to go through arbitration. That's kind of a red flag. 
things like that. And then look back at it and go, oh, then you know you actually read it because you highlighted it, right? And you can look back at that and you can look at that. I would also ask to not only have that contract to look at, but look at their compensation plan and do the same thing. What do you understand and what don't you understand? And then ask questions to clarify. It is intentionally confusing. Higher up people will be very trained in being able to explain it to you. If it still sounds really confusing and convoluted, it's because it is. And that's a red flag. Uh, it, they, they use this whole thing like you don't want to feel dumb. So you sort of just go along with it. Like, yes. well, do you not understand? Of course I understand. No, that's totally fine. I get it. Like, and does, that's does built anyone into have any the questions sales, or can we move on? Let's pause on that. That's built into the yeah. sales talk or the sales lingo. So one of the ways that's done is you'll ask a question at the end. That makes sense, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. that, right? And so what you're doing is you're actually getting a group to just be suggestive with you. Uh-huh. And it's a it's an affirming statement and you feel like you are with them, even if you aren't and you aren't going to be the one that raises your hand. Right. Like everybody gets it. We can move on, right? No one wants to be like that. I'm, I don't get it person. Nobody wants to be that person. So you nod and you go, yeah, yeah, let's move on. I'll figure it out later. So you're going to want the compensation plan as well as the contract. And then you're going to want their income disclosure statement. That is a form. Here we go. They are not legally required to provide this form. So this gives us two things. One, a company that doesn't have one is kind of shady, right? And two, a company that does put one out, those are the best numbers they could come up with. Those are the best numbers they could come up with. Okay. And also if there's been many years since a a, a Uh, income disclosure has come out, it's probably because last year's numbers ain't better than the income disclosure they already have out. Because if the numbers are better, they're going to want to update that to make the numbers look better, right? But if they don't look better, they're not going to want to update it. So if they don't have one or it hasn't been updated in a really long time, that's a huge red flag. (laughs) Um, And look at the most recent one you can find and Look at the percentages, actually look at it and look at the average, what the average person makes. I did the math. It's less than prison wages. Okay. The, when all is said and done, and that was for a part-time job, that was for part-time 20 hours a week. So if it's full-time, explain what a disclosure statement is that a company creates. Absolutely. So an income disclosure statement is, is a statement of what you can expect to earn as an employee of the company, any sort of income that the company makes or anything like that. So an MLM's income disclosure statement is going to give you like all the ranks. It'll say like, you know, rank one or diamond princess or whatever it is, right. In all the ranks. And it'll tell you like maybe the percentage of people, but they're all different because again, they don't have to have these. So this is the information they're choosing to tell you. Sometimes it'll have the percentage, like 95% of our people are diamond princesses. And then you can keep going. It'll say, what does a diamond princess make annually? Well, on average, well, the high is $3,000 and the low is zero, but the middle is $15. And you're like, oh, okay. So the average is $15. The high is 3000 The low is zero. So I'm going to assume that the majority is zero if the average is 15 on a $300 high. So that's another thing where you can look at the math and be like, hmm, no one's really making any money here. And then look at the bottom. Look at the percentage of the people that make the most, right? Look at that number first, $255,000 a year. Oh, my God. And then look at the percentage, 0.003. 
And the fact that you even think for one second that you'll be part of that 0.003 ever is laughable. I'm sorry. It's not going to happen. It's just not unless you get a bridge contract and you got to have a humongous team to even be offered one of those. So again, it's not real. These numbers are put there to make it look like it's a goal you can achieve, but people are not looking at the scary numbers. People don't look at that. They just, they put blinders on. They only want to look at that 255,000. They don't want to look at that. It only is five people in the entire company of, of 40 you know, 45,000 people or whatever it is. Like it's, it's very, very small and it's built this way so that you think that golden carrot is achievable, but 95% of the diamond princesses make what I said, $13 a year or whatever in my imaginary income disclosure Mm -hmm. statement. Where's all that money going? Where's the hundred dollars it costs to come like to join and the $300 in product you're buying every month. Where's all that money going? Well, I'm pretty sure it's going to the 255,000 that Becky's getting every year. So when we say that the money is made off the backs of the failure, that's what that is. These people, like in a pyramid scheme, are just pumping money in in exchange for PV. Sometimes it's not even equal. Yeah. And they're hoping that that PV will eventually garner them some sort of bonus check that they can say, see, I told you it was profitable. But that rarely ever happens. And Very if it rarely. does, yeah, and if it does, you've already invested more than that to actually be profitable and you haven't actually learned how to budget your, your how to balance your books. So right. you wouldn't know if it's profitable anyways. Yeah. And it's just, there's so many layers of compacted mm-hmm. confusion yeah. that happens. And the disclosure statement is such a good point because if, if I would have ever taken the time to actually look at that, which my personality has never been the one on the numbers. And so the way that, that you're being sold is quite literally a personality. Um, uh, what does it mean when you're assessed or like a personality assessment? Yeah. You know, and, and I've been using the language as, you know, good, the good ones, but I liked your language, which is the higher ups, the higher ups -ups. in the company, they are more skilled at, at the challenging questions. And so they're Mm going to be able to use um, communication style. Some of it's rooted in hip, hip, hypnotist and NLP type, NLP type work. So again, the higher ups, the longer somebody has been in the industry, they're some of the most professional speakers you'll ever come across. I can identify a professional MLM or especially men. Um, Quick. Yeah. So far away. Smart. Yeah, because, um, and, and really good, you know, the way they shake your hand, they'll lift up the hand in a certain way. It's a certain level of, I'm amazing. How are you? And it gives the conversation back in a way that floats information so that they can use that information as a way to deliver. And I became that, that higher up recruit. So to, I, you identify things that you ended up practicing and it's also, um, humiliating, right? It's humiliating Mm -hmm. to wake up, to realize, damn, um, there are, there are so many people that weren't in my team that are like in the periphery of my life um, and, and plenty that were in my team, um, but that I didn't maintain relationships with um, 
that I know just disappeared in silence. Nobody's come forward mm-hmm. to really speak to the amount of abuse that we all endured. And mm-hmm. we endured it because of the quote, the leadership model we were in, but we also endured it because of the industry model. So there can be leaders within an industry that are toxic more than other leaders that are more great. And it's so important, I'd say, along with the disclosure, is if you aren't all in and the biggest sale they're trying to get you to do is to go to the next conference, it's because they want you to meet other leaders in mm-hmm. which you can see yourself in their story. Mm-hmm. And that's how this whole game works mm-hmm. is you got to see yourself in the potential for that next chase. Right. And if it's not your upline leader that is, is selling you, if you get, if they get you to that conference, you're going to meet a leader who's your story is in their story. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great point. Yeah. That's they, they're banking on that. Absolutely. It, it's done because every time you come back from the national conference and the national conferences will do it every time yeah. because it's football stadium worthy. Right. Who doesn't get ha- hyped off of going to a football? I mean, why do you think professional sports does this? Right. Yeah. It's like this stuff naturally creates biochemical shifts in our, in our, um, in our, in our blood chemistry and in our brain chemistry. And, yeah. I really love what you brought here, Roberta. Um, yeah, I well, can... I would say one last thing. And Good, I just thought of please. this one last awesome. thing. If anybody is in right now in MLM and they're listening to this and they're going, she makes some points. I might check out her show. I don't know. I feel like I'm pretty successful. I want you to do a profit and loss statement for three months. I want you to start right now. I want you to do it this month. I want you to do it next month. And I want you to do one more month. And if you are not in the green each month, you get three months. And then I, I want you to make a decision. I want you to really look at it and go, wait, I didn't realize. And I'm talking about, when we're talking about your profit and your loss. We're talking about the loss here. We're not just saying like, oh, I bought product. I'm talking about the babysitter you had to get so you could go to the convention. I'm talking about the tickets for the convention, the airplane tickets for the convention, the gas to get, or the Uber, that the food you bought, anything that you spent that was specifically for your MLM, even if it was lunch at convention, that's part of it. Even These if it's the all- Saturday training. Even if you it's have a to pay for five dollar trolley ticket downtown, all of anything, the expenses, any bit of gas, any bit of food, anything that is specific, because you're out and you're and not how home. Your time? Do you log right. your time on that too? Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Throw another line on there and log your time, and then you can actually look. Am I making money? And if you are, figure out how much you're making an hour. How much are you this- making? How much of your life are you putting into something for fifty cents an hour? And how much of that energy are you putting in? Because you also have the opportunity cost that you're losing. And the opportunity cost is what you could be doing instead. And I was just at the drive-thru at the In-N-Out Burger down the street. And they are paying $19.75 to start. And if you are not getting a job at a place that will pay you that, because you are wishing and hoping away for 50 cents an hour while you struggle and you can't save anything for the future, really think about that. Because who's going to take care of you? Because if you don't save for the future, I had a person on my podcast told this story. Her in-laws were so all in with their MLM that they never saved for retirement. They have nothing, nothing. And now the burden to care for them in their old age falls on her and her husband because there's no one else to take care of them because they have nothing. And she says, I'm happy to do it, but this is another cost that we're not thinking about. 
if you're not taking care of yourself now and your financial future, who will? And it's most likely going to be your children. And if what you're doing this for is to help your children so that they don't have to struggle like you did, you're not really hitting the mark here. Let, let's break this down a little bit. Pause. A um, couple of things, a couple of things on that one. The opportunity, I mean, the, the, what, what is lost, right? The, right. the, the amount of selling that your residual income is your retirement in the industry is rampant. So you cannot buy that hype no. because ultimately it's not, it's not, it's not, well, you know, if not one real, does either. reach residual steady, like I have to say, my income was very steady for four years, but I also was recruiting my ass off for it to be right. steady, but my residuals were quite steady and that's a rare breed in MLM. So what I'm trying to get at is hearing what you're saying. If I would have ever paused and done a, a, a profit loss, I probably would have had to Google it. What is a profit and loss statement? Because I had been in business for 10 plus years and I'd never learned what something like that was. And so I didn't know how to roll over. Like, what did I actually invest? I didn't know that. Now there were other legitimate businesses in that business owners that had business parents. So they knew some basics around what they were doing in their MLM compared to, but I think majority of us in MLM are learning our entrepreneurial skills in an industry that's teaching us about entrepreneurial skills. So we're depending on the source of our violation and the source of our information. And when both of those sources are the same, it's full on definition of a cult because we're not getting legitimate business information about how to balance our books. What are we investing? What are all those, the amount of time, the babysitter, the, right. the super Saturday trainings, the Tuesday nights, the gas money you had to involve when you all jumped into the car to go to Michigan to see that special leader who just happened to be in town. This isn't unique to your company. It's actually the more you can hear this stuff, the more you realize, mm -hmm. whoa, this is formulaic. And I went to a Saturday every Saturday for 12 years. I did a Tuesday event every Tuesday for 12 years, you know, and you don't realize, talk yeah. about opportunity costs, right? I mean, how many degrees, how many companies, how many sales could I've made in a 12-year period of time? Just the ask, profit and loss. That would have bursted a bubble in my consciousness to be like, how come I think I'm a business owner and I don't know what a profit and loss statement is? <laughs> Right. Yeah. It's a lot yeah. of really like basic stuff like that, that you don't really think about, but they don't, they don't train you. And that's intentional. It's intentional that they don't train you how to catch those red flags because you'd see it really fast. They don't want yes. people that are educated. They don't want people that know what's going on. They want people who are compliant, who fall in line, who follow the the rules and listen and, and pay the money and do the thing and hit the bell and get the prize. That's what they want. And if they bring in, quote, legitimate business owners, they're they're really focused in on the time freedom with them. And so a lot of successful business owners can also make their way into an MLM. Um, but it's because of all of the plants yeah. of the on the at the leadership levels that have added such legitimization. Yeah. Um just yeah. nightmares. <laughs> Night. Yeah. And, and I, but I just think the things you've brought up are, are really great. Um, and again, Thank they're, you. they're red flag moments, but they're also just uh, bubble bursting moments that just kind of say, yeah. Hmm. And that's what that's we want to do. Just, yeah. We I just, just want to burst. I don't even need to pop the whole bubble. I just want to put a little 
kind of in it so that you're just like, what's happening here? And you just look a little deeper. Hey, guess what? If you look a little deeper and you realize that whatever, like take my advice with a grain of salt, but I don't think that's what's going to happen. But, you know, and also if you realize you're making a ton of money in MLM, realize that you might be the mega hun. And if you're the mega hun, then realize the ethical implications of that, that there are so many people underneath you that worship you and idol you and adore you and would do anything for you to the detriment of their own families. And that's not okay either. And so we have to look at, there's no, and you know, we say with capitalism that there's no ethical consumption under capitalism, but there's really no ethical consumption in an MLM. There's just not, there's nothing good. There's nothing there that I've ever been able to find to be like, wow, that's the one redeeming quality. And that's something I ask at the end of every show. I said, give me a positive takeaway. And most people are like, I was a lot stronger than I thought I was. And I learned what not to do by being in an MLM and that sort of stuff. I've had one person tell me there's no positive takeaway. But Mm -hmm. usually people say, I learned who I was. Like I learned what I was willing to put up with and what I was not willing to put up with. And it's, it's sometimes it's just that horrible breaking moment, but there's a positive takeaway from it. I'm learning more and more about the cult indoctrination and unindoctrination process and that process of reclaiming who we really are. And it's like, it's like plaster on a personality. You know, you can't really distinguish it. And then slowly you're distilling your essential self away from the patterns uh, that you have been trained. And, And one of the things that I woke up to this year was how, my language, the very thing, when I would hear something, whether it was you or somebody else would say something, certain things I'd agree with. And then other things I'd be like, mm, no. Mm. And then, and then the thing I used to justify the, uh, no was a quote I learned in MLM. And so I was like, <laughs> whoa. So when I realized that the way I was legitimizing yeah. the thing that was cognitive dissonance inside was from something that I learned in the industry itself. And I was like, well, what if that information itself wasn't true? What if that video that we played about Harvard University guy isn't true? What if, what if the video, what if the book by Robert Kiyosaki isn't real? You know, what if these things are big business deals by mega business owners coming together to, to create facades of legitimacy? whoa and then you're just like down the rabbit hole yeah. and this is folks what makes things predatory is when they're yeah. built into systems and then the systems itself built up legitimization a legitimate atmosphere to reinforce itself so you can't see outside of the the reality of its own self-propelled legitimization and and that is what mlm is and represents and the fact that it's continually being propelled and promoted and we all think we have friends that are quote successful and they think they're successful (laughs) it pains me because a lot of good people have built their lives off these things and they can't stop i feel tired for them because I know what that feeling of not being able to stop is and having the, a public facade of having it together and the freedom of having it together when inside I was exhausted and tapped. And, and to me, the it's commercial cults are so predatory for this way because we have so much sunk yeah. fallacy and it's just okay. It's okay to be human. It's okay to have lost. It's okay to go bankrupt. It's okay it's to okay. need help. It's just all okay. Yeah. Um, it doesn't show the alternative 
yeah, staying in a pyramid one. scheme longer. No, don't do that. Just it's okay. Or to think it was your fault, not talk about it, and then end up joining another one because right. you haven't processed the trauma from the right. last one. Yeah, that happens a lot. A lot. A lot. I see it everywhere. Yeah. And I see so many people that I love that haven't looked back at that decade or four years or five right. years or 10 years for them, whatever it was. And they haven't looked at it. And I'm okay with that. As we know, in trauma healing, some people will never look at that stuff. Um, but I want this episode to be like, it's okay. It's okay to listen. And it's okay to realize you were abused. Um, it's okay to have had positive experiences where you met your husband or your wife or a, a trip for the first time that changed you. Uh, all those things are okay. And it's still a cult and it's still abusive <laughs> and it's still predatory. Yeah, it still, still is. Like I, I'm, I'm sure it was super fun in Costa Rica. It's still a scam. And you can still go to Costa Rica and you can still rebuild a life. It'd probably and... be cheaper to just go to Costa Rica than <laughs> yeah. to join the MLM and earn the trip. Oh my God. If yeah. I look back at that first trip that I quote earned, if I would have just bought the trip, I would have right. been better off than bought all the damn inventory to earn that damn trip. I, I can't mean, if all I wanted that... to do was go on a cruise, it's a lot cheaper to just oh go God. on a cruise. It's so sad. And it is very embarrassing. Um, folks, you'll hear me talk a lot more about this. This is still quite raw and fresh. For and then me, you but, can come on um, my show and tell your story. When I you're can't ready. wait. I can't. And, 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 then, and it's exciting. It's exciting yeah. because when it comes, when, when as survivors, when we get to a point where we are ready, where we can speak to something and not break yeah. down into a, a mushy mess of, of balls <laughs> of tears and, and, and paralyzation to really realize, whoa, right. I've been frozen in aspects of my life that I didn't even realize I had been abused. I thought that was positive. Um, right. it, it's, it's, it's embarrassing, um, but there's layers to it. You know, it's emotional, there's guilt, there's shame, there's all this stuff. Um, so I am very excited to come and share my personal story about yeah. that. Um, but I'm, I'm really happy you came here because the, the, the predatory patterns that really play out in this industry, um, it concerns me. It concerns yeah. me that I have people I love that mm -hmm. are still in the industry as higher ups. Um, and it also, uh, inspires me that there's so much voice and and speaking out about uh commercial cults but specifically multi-level marketing and all yeah. of the different companies and the ways that they um what did you say uh disguised our commercial cults that are disguised as the quickest route to the american dream yeah and honestly if you're interested in anti-mlm and maybe you don't like me that much that's totally fine there's so many other personalities Search the anti-MLM hashtag and you will find anywhere from like meme lords to people who are breaking down, doing compassion stuff, doing reaction videos. There's so much content out there. If this is something that you're like, wait a second, it's, there's so much and there's so many amazing creators. It's, it's a fun adventure. And if that's something you want to get into, I'm, I'm so excited to have you, uh, enjoy our community. Welcome. <laughs> yeah. And for all of you that have ever been in a company, whether it was in the seventies, eighties, nineties, or two thousands, um, there's a lot of value in letting yourself hear these stories and let your heart be healed because yeah. a lot of the things that you went through are not okay. The recruiting tactics were not okay. If I know you, much of everything that you went through was not okay, regardless of whether you're in my team or other teams. Um, 
because the systems themselves were inherently predatory. And then as leaders, we got taught to then reinstill those systems and to not see them for what they were because we were so uh, indoctrinated in the model. Um, and right. it's not specific to the leader. It's not specific to the company. It is rampant in all of these levels, all the way through the direct selling association to all of the DSA's lobbyist groups um, on political levels. It is bad news brown, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, bad yeah. news brown. So get an ear on it and yeah. do some grieving, get healed yeah. because um, even if you'll never join the industry, you deserve to be healed and you deserve to have a job that pays you well and to get out of that negative mentality towards a job, or you deserve a business that's actually a business that provides actual free time and actual um, retirement savings and actual financial freedom, because these things are actually true. Um, <laughs> and, and they don't uh, belong to the MLM industry. They were hijacked by that industry. And, and the lingo is so caked into the industry that we use our own lingo to legitimize ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you, Roberta. Thank you for your yeah, work. Thank you so much. Thank you much. for your passion. Uh, thank you for your voice here. And folks, get some support, okay? A Anti-MLM research. Um, get a cult therapist. Follow the cult yeah. expert on IG. This stuff is so helpful. You never think you're in a cult until you realize you're in one. And guess what? <laughs> They're not the weird people in robes off on the side. You know, they are everywhere. And sometimes um, they're the Karen next door, just huffing essential oils. There you have it. Um, just saying. So <laughs> get some help, get some support. You deserve it. And, um, and it's okay to rest. You know, you don't have to be a part of the hustle culture. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll talk Thank to you, you on the next episode, folks. Thanks for being here. This has been another episode of Uncomfortable Conversations on Predators in Business, Community, and Culture. If you need support beyond this listening space, you can connect with me at gurunishan.com. I'm a writer, speaker, and trauma healing activist offering free and paid resources, online courses, and consulting in personal and professional reinvention. If you'd like to be a guest and share your story, please email me at gn at gurunishan.com or check the show notes for details. Please also like, subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast with someone that you love. Please remember your listening and sharing support is greatly appreciated. The information presented in this podcast are for general educational purposes only. The views and opinions expressed are solely the views of the individuals involved. By listening, you agree not to use this podcast as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others, including but not limited to patients that you are treating. Nothing in this podcast is intended to replace the services of a trained therapist, doctor, or health professional, or otherwise to substitute for professional mental health, medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Guru Nishan LLC and affiliate organizations shall under no circumstances be liable to any listener of the podcast or viewer for any action or inaction on your part as a result of the content you consume on this podcast or for any adverse reaction, including any emotional distress you experience as a result of consuming this podcast.